Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Friday is for the arts. Back in the bomb shelter. Back where we belong. It is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. The award-winning Morning Combat, Friday, November 11th, 2022. And we told you this week, Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell, your dynamic duo, that ain't nobody going to outcover UFC 281 then the boys from MK here in the tri-state greater New York City area on the grounds, giving it to you. And LT, you know, we had a, a very busy week of, of, of giving, and it's only going to continue on today's loaded show. Uh, Poton was just on the scale. We're going to start off with some instant reaction to the UFC 281 weigh-in. We are going to take, it's going to be a little bit risky. I did a little late-night solicitation in the DMs, picked out 25 or so random donks, said, Send us a video. Send us something. We'll play it on the show tomorrow. We, we, Mikey went through that. Went through that pile of shit and picked out a few golden kernels, Luke. Okay, so we're gonna play some some weirdness later this in this is, episode. This is the last show we do. It's it's been fun. Yeah, well, well, like your favorite energy drink, Luke. We're gonna go out with a bang. That's not my favorite. My favorite is rain. Oh, that's the classy energy drink. Yeah, that's right. That's the um, high end. As mentioned, you know, the BBC with that BDE, the best fight analyst in the game, uh, ain't no better than this dynamic duo. So like. Subscribe if you're into that. Please uh, help us continue to push our numbers forward. So we're not just a you know a North American sensation. I want to go on the global scale. I mean, we already are the best podcast in the world. So, like Izzy you know, said, not local, global. That's what. That's exactly what I am talking about. Thank you very much. Uh, the labels that pay us, we always show respect from CBS Sports to our friends here at Malka. Also, Showtime, and now would be a great time. Showtime.com to start your 30-day free trial. Look, Bellator is back with a bang. We're going to get the light heavyweight World Grand Prix final. Will Usman Nurmagomedov continue the family's domination and win his first title? Don't forget, of course, about Sabatello versus uh, Rafion Sutman. There's a lot of good stuff coming, so get your 30 days now. Join our team of what we do here. Uh, yeah, we're coming on. That's great. So, Luke, um, it hasn't been like an overly crazy fight week 281. Mm -mm. The buzz is not kicking the you know through the screen. No. But those that know, know it's going to be a good-ass card. Yeah, I, I agree that the buzz hasn't been quite as pronounced, perhaps, as I thought it was, would be. Certainly not like the McGregor 205 card yes. or even the St. Pierre 217 card. But 
to your point, if you know, you know, cards filled with some real good fights, and we're going to give you some picks today. Absolutely. Uh, YouTube, and some buffoonery. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat, of course, is where you can get all of our great bonuses. We did a pregame preview live Wednesday with Chuck Middenhall to really give you that real talk style on breaking this card down. Also, Luke, an incredible sit down with Israel Adesanya that really set a great tone to start this week. Thanks I, to everyone who watched. I talked with the champ, Carl Esparza, as well. So uh, no shortage of bonus and fun times, our, our press conference reaction. And uh, it continues right into now, our Friday show. And a reminder that it doesn't just end right here, right now. Saturday night, start of that pay-per-view main card. Tune in here, youtube.com slash morning combat. We are going live with a fight companion. Get a little bubbly going, have a little, have a good time, great oldies. Uh, and then we'll be hitting you up post-show, a legit one, fight by fight, break it down. Let's tell them what they saw. Let's tell them what they should have seen. We're going to do that for you. So it's MK all day, Luke, nearly every day, day and night in between too. We're taking over people's lives. We're ac accosting them and they're welcoming it. Home invasions. Yes, yes. Uh, I like it. I like that flavor. I like that taste. But when you succeed on the level that we do, that we have, sometimes you got to pay some bills, though. You know yeah, you I mean? do got to pay some bills. Sometimes I got to tell you about our very good friends. And right now, I want to tell you about a little something called first person, Luke. That's right. We all want to turn back the clock. And I, don't, I forgot my glasses, so I had to blow this up like an old person and relive those glory days. Mm -mm. You can't, Luke. You're too, you're too old and washed. I would love to wake up every morning with zero brain fog, a clear mind, and be as energized as I was when I was younger, BC. And thanks to First Person, I can take a more active role in my brain's overall health. And First Person is an innovative cognitive supplement system which uses the medicinal benefits of mushrooms. Yes, not just reserved for Rashad Evans or our great country rock stars of the 1970s. Peyote can be your day today. And oh, seriously, look, the medicinal benefits of mushrooms to start and people are taking notice. And First Person uses this to act activate the full potential of human cognition and brain health. All right, let's do it. First person supplements made with functional mushrooms aim to stimulate neurotransmitters that trigger activities like energy, mood, and sleep. Exactly. And also first person uses 100% grain-free organic mushrooms as well as highly curated blend of nutraceuticals. And if B you can BC? say that, if you can say that, Luke. Whew. I am personally looking forward to trying the Sunbeam supplement to help with well, motivation. Well, did you say your family has tried it? My wife well? has tried it. Yeah, she loves it. My goal is to be more productive and attentive throughout a long day. My, yeah, my goal is for you to finally fulfill that promise <coughs> that you're going to try it. Because if you try it, Luke, you may like it. And in fact, our viewers today can start improving their brain health and cognition with first person to sprinkle a little bit of more sweetener on that. Like Luke's like, it's got to be one equal. That's it, my coffee, BC. Everybody knows no, no, no sugar, just one equal. No cream, get on top. Uh, verbatim. Get 15% off of your first person order, your first order of that today by going to getfirstperson.com. And use our code combat with a K. Again, that's G E T F I R S T P E R S O N dot com code combat for 15% off your first order. Get firstperson.com code combat. Uh, before we kick this 281 start right in the face, Luke, we uh, we broke out the RSD couch yesterday. We're going to continue to do it this weekend. That's we got right. some great ones planned, but Laura Senko yesterday on that, on that there, Wayne's World looking vehicle. Some, some in our, our team have said it might be the best one we've ever done. They did say it was very good. So we shall see what the viewers think, but I think you'll like it. All yeah. right. Maybe you can get that guy, Anthony Smith, to finally agree to sit down. We'll see. We're trying. All right. You, you, you know, you make things complicated, as you tend to do. Although no Lithuanian exits so far, this whole uh, trip. But the thing about a Lithuanian exit is it's upfront and it's honest. <laughs> 
But speaking about Lithuanians quickly, dude, I'm I'm two thirds of the way through this Rose doc on UFC Fight Pass, Rose Namajunas. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's awesome. It's inspirational. It's emotional. Um, you know, I have a connection to her because we're both Lithuanian right. and tough to the bone, shit, yeah. right? But, um, you know, she's my favorite fighter. And I think this is like, you watch she's this. She's your favorite fighter. I think she is, you know, and I, and I think you watch this and it's like, that's the reason why. She just, she is unique and special in the, in this, in this sense that compared to any other fighter in history, when she's herself, there's no ceiling. There's no limit to what she can produce, but she's also very honestly human in between that and has some very public, you know, falls and fails, but keeps getting back up. Dude, that's that's the type of people that I respect, okay? As a general rule, I don't watch anyone's documentary if they helped make it um, because you just don't really get, I would. I have typically seen an honest. If Rose was Colombian, though, you would have already seen this doc, true or false? Well, they, she, my wife made me watch the Jay Balvin documentary, and this was like co complete self-serving nonsense, and I hated it. So, yeah, if, if someone else made it about someone else, that's fine. But if someone was like, oh, they're the executive producer of their own documentary, I'm out. True or false, Rose still might be the best strawweight fighter in the world right now. That's a true. Okay. That's a true. Just yeah. trying to get all your that's cards. I'm trying to take your yeah, cards yeah. and spread them she, out. She, you know, the Sparsa fight wasn't great. I think it's well-known, but she's fucking talented. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you very much. All right, Luke, we'll start off our first topic of the day, and it is the story of the week, UFC 281, NYC, MSG. Yeah, let's do this thing. Uh, the scale's just wrapping up at the start time of our show, 11 a.m. Eastern. And Poetan, Alex Pereira, who will be the tridal challenger in the main event for tridal Israel. challenger. The tridal challenger in the triad. Of combat Look at for him, dude, I, fuck Israel Adesanya's 185-pound title. So they had to bring out the box for him yeah. to make it. But Poetan did make the did limit, make the it. championship weight. He was about, what, 184.6? Mm -hmm. um, can we show the, this? this Full screen. Full screen. Is this the footage of him just now before the box? Yeah, dude, or, look, or at, his, look at his face. I mean, he doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. He looked sucked out. He made it. God bless him. He did it. He. I know that could not have been easy. I know. But it goes back to the whole game plan conversation, BC, which is, you know, the longer this fight goes, does that really favor Pereira? I have my doubts. I have my doubts that the, the longer it goes, there's it no question increases his chances. About that. Well, before this near weigh-in fiasco, sort of our final call for these odds at the moment for this main event is minus 205 Israel Adesanya, plus 175 Alex Pereira. So does the idea that Pereira may have had a difficult cut change anything? I mean, you just said, look, it's still the same question that needs to be answered. Can he go five hard rounds? Can he make adjustments against the champ? Can he have a pulse on the ground if he ends up there? There's a lot of questions. But a lot of champions have bad weight cuts constantly too, yes. to, for, for that weight. Sure. He's in. That power's still going to be dangerous rounds one, two. You know what I mean? Yeah, this He's is the point. I mean, if the fight only, if he can find uh, Izzy's chin within the first 10 minutes, then it is this weight cut is irrelevant, yeah. right? If, the, if that's really what the direction this fight goes, it doesn't play any role at all. While we have him so perfectly and gratuitously spread across behind us, can you comment on his tat system? Um, he's got one of the more aggressive sets. There's a lot yeah, going a lot on. Of, there's a lot going on, a lot of different— But there's um, not a lot of cohesion— no, not from what I can tell. From what I can tell, it's not that great. Um, but I'd have to get a better look up close. Now that you would, you would, you wouldn't say that to his face, though. No, 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 <laughs> no. All right, I would just right. lie. I would just uh, lie. The champion Israel Adesanya also coming in at the championship weight of 185 pounds. I think he was either first to the scales or like one of the first yes. three to the scales. Very he early. Was ready to, Michael Chandler by the was way, in that group. So we, I asked him about this, and I think people got the question confused. He was understand something like when fighters make weight. 
right? So whatever weight they have to make, in this case, you know, 185, they get to the point where they're going to make that weight. Like if you have to ask them, how long do they hold that? And the answer is sometimes just minutes. They will like get off as much sweat as possible, wipe down, and then go get on the scales. They hold that spot where they're going to make weight for a very small amount of time. And remember, his place out in outside the city, well, I, I, dude, it's like an hour outside the city. Like, it's not close. But in New York, New Jersey ways, does an hour mean like 20 miles? I think it's, uh, dude, from where we were in our studios, it was like 30 plus miles. Damn. And we're not even in the city. We're, I mean, we're just, we're right next to it. But still, it's, it's, it's a hike, dude. It's not that, it's not that close. So <clears> I was wondering... Because I, I know for uh, I know for a fact this is a big thing that Conor McGregor struggles with. He can't stay in the fighter hotel. The guy is as popular oh, as absolutely. fucking Elvis. So he has to get a mansion. But that means he has to cut weight there, hold it, and then get to the uh, wherever they're holding the weigh-ins and then make the weight there. Yeah, that means that's a longer amount of time that they have to make weight. And I, I know folks are saying oh, this is an overblown thing. No, dude, every time I talk to a manager who's got somebody in a significant bout and there's a distance between where they're staying and where they're weighing in, this is always a massive concern. So Izzy found a way, even an hour outside of the city, to be one of the first to the scales and to make it with all of those other complicating factors. Fucking hard to do, and he did it like that. Yeah, can we go to the, the video of uh, Izzy stepping on the scale, right? It seemed not too long after the 9 a.m. Eastern time By the way, window began. zero titty, right? Yeah, no, no. Is that my imagination? Left nipple gate, uh, right nipple gate. Maybe might a little be over. bit. Might be over. I'm telling you, dude, if he just puts a giant Flavor Flav watch pierced to the nipple and just plays out the saggy gimmick. It's it's comedically gold. But uh <laughs> I like know. I like how we're like inspecting this this champion weighing in. We're like, let's look at his motherfucking titties. <laughs> Tattoo on Titi. He is the BIG Luke of the <laughs> middleweight division going for his sixth title defense. And here we are, Luke. No other surprises on the scale that any big names missed from what you saw? Chandler and uh, Poirier looked awesome. I did not see Esparza and Drongway Lee, but they made weight. They were one of the earlier ones to make weight. They seemed like it was no problem. Saw Carolina make weight. Carolina Kovalkiewicz, yep. which, you know, at this point in her career, although she's coming off that much important win to keep hope alive, you never know if that's the True. last time this strawweight legend. It's like this. It's so weird, man. That that first generation, the 2014 Tough House with Ioana being the, the first champion of significance after Esparza won it is, you know, our, our heroes are aging now and on the way out and you want to just exit the building Klausia as well. And yet Esparza is the inaugural champion and the champion again right now. It's just, you know, yet nobody's given her a chance or talking it's about her, her, you know, any respect in her direction at all. Um, but yeah, my straw weight heroes look, they can't last forever. Okay. So enjoy it while it lasts. They'll right be now. on Instagram. For this was a special era of fighters. You're in, okay? good, you're in good hands with at, old Insta at the one, one five. All right, Luke, let's get into our picks. Let's make it matter here. Topic two, UFC 281. We have previewed ad nauseum, the storylines we've heard from a lot of these fighters. But now we look at the odds. We make our smart judgments here. That main event odds, once again, minus 205 Israel Adesanya. And the closest odds for an opponent during his middleweight title reign, which this would now be defense number six, the plus 175, Alex. But before I say the last name, Luke, let's let's figure this out, okay, real quick? This isn't your type of bitter gimmick. But you've committed to figuring out the Adesanya thing. Whether Ariel's Adesanya is better than your Adesanya, you're trying. Adesanya. But we're all over the map on Alex. Yeah. If we do it, Gringo, it's Pereira. 
right. seems like my Pareto is just way out of control, too aggressive to try to be hip and cool. Is it Pareto? Is it Pareto? So what just, the hell is So, this? okay, so, and again, I- Because we sound like jackasses most of the time anyway. Yes, yes. And then when we butcher this but guy's like, let's name- Let's try and make a good faith effort about it, right? So, for example, if you were going to say that, and this is in Spanish, but it's a similar rule that would apply. In English, we would say something like Laura, all right? But in Spanish, it would be Laura. So- Oh, and it's not hora. That'd be bad. No, it's laura, yeah. right? So that's how they would say it. I mean, so, she could be promiscuous. So just break down Pereira slowly. It's Pereira, Pereira. Yes. So that's how. That's how. That's kind of how it so would go. So gringo that for me. What should I be saying? You could say Pereira. I think is fine. Okay. The thing that I okay, and again, I do not speak Portuguese under any way, shape, or form. But my good friend, who's Brazilian, who told me this, he is from fucking Brazil. He goes, if it starts with an R, it's an H. And if it's two R's in the middle, it's an H. But it's not, so that for that reason, it's not Pajera, as I understand it, it would be Pereira, or if you want to gringo it up, Pereira. <laughs> I feel more confused than I was to start, but I appreciate your good faith efforts. But How that's about- what I'm saying. With it. You'll, you'll hear, the only one I, I feel confident saying it's not true is the Pajera one. Or Because it's not the two R's. Huh? My potato is pretty weak too, you know. I mean, listen, I, I'm st- I sound like the dumbest man alive when I do yeah, Portuguese names, yeah. but we're trying to make a good faith effort. We think that's a good one. Okay, uh, let's make a good faith talk about this fight. I think, you know, with somewhat contrasting styles, you know, uh, Izzy natural counterpuncher, more technique-based, scientific, game planning. Pereira, not reckless by any means, but he's a destroyer. He's the bull. He's coming at you. 3-0 and in one year since making his UFC debut, and here he is fast-tracked. So, Luke, stylistically, X's and O's wise, we get the natural concept that the deeper this goes, way bigger questions to answer for Pereira. And battle-tested Izzy, who's been there five rounds many times, in wars even, uh, we get that. But stylistically, for at least the first you know two rounds, if it lasts that long, nobody's doubting that Izzy's got to be walk you know tiptoeing through fire. I mean, this is this is an absolutely legitimate challenge. Why is Parader striking so much different than Cannoneer and recent title challengers, where the odds are this close, and even we're going look. I don't know what Izzy's going to do, but he's got to avoid the bombs here. What is it about Parader that that makes him different in that regard? Well, um, this is the thing we've been kind of hinting at all weekend, or all week, I should say, which is it seems like it seems like to the best of our ability ability to detect that what a guy like Pereira has, however you want to pronounce it, is he just has he's just dangerous. He's just really, 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 really dangerous. He doesn't have the same kind of clever setups. He does faint, obviously. He is what really makes him special, BC, is he has, if you look at his game, it's almost a little on the basic side. And every time I say that, someone's like, it's not basic, he's a super advanced striker. Yes, of course. But he does what really Izzy has all of this motion and angles and feints, and he's trying to razzle dazzle you with that. Pereira is much more straightforward, big power complemented by excellent timing yeah. and excellent shot placement, right? So that's really is what gets him. His ability to find the target, to time it right. He doesn't do it. So we go back to the Robert Whitaker thing. Robert Whitaker doesn't have a gazillion different kinds of strikes he throws at you. What he does is he, have a, he has a real basic set, but it's complemented by what? The most impeccable timing Maybe Pol- the incredible polish on everything. Incredible he does. polish. Yeah. Pereira's not quite in that in that realm, but he has monster power. He does have very good timing, good range of uh, management, good judge of distance. And so he's able to use these to extraordinary effect. It goes back to BC. I wonder, we talked about all the time 
when Mayweather was fighting. Yeah. And the argument has to be for Mayweather, he has to be good for 12, he has to be perfect for 12 rounds. This will, maybe go back to the Deontay Wilder one. He only has to be good for one. I don't think we're on the Deontay Wilder level necessarily with, with Pereira, but you get the idea. It's something along those lines. Izzy has, I think, overall more skills as a kickboxer. He's got more tools in his toolbox different ways he can fight. But I don't think he carries the same kind of lethal fight-finishing power as effortlessly and consistently as a guy like Pereira. I do think that's what separates them. So it's the power that's allowed him, even with the backstory, which fast-tracked him and got him this title shot. I mean, look, he's the last guy to, he's the only guy to knock out this the great Adesanya in combat sports. Is it, so, is it the power that's allowed him to, pass through the certain checkpoints that someone with his limited experience, or is it just that he's a two division glory kickboxing champion and an absolute badass? So to some degree being a champion and, and performing on a platform does translate as long as your other skills come with you. So it, I don't know. It's a unique, he's a unique war. He's a unique threat right now. Yes. But he's able to get past any of these holes. The fact that when he touches people with either hand, they go flying. Yes. Yes, or with his knees, or with his feet. Like, everything he throws is damaging, super damaging, fight-altering. The other problem with that Pereira faces, though, BC, is that his defense is not as good. Yes. The numbers speak to that. He gets hit a, a, a fair bit. And you would have to imagine, it's like, for me, it's not it, difficult to imagine Izzy finding the target or winning rounds. The part that becomes a challenge for me is... What is he going to do if he gets rocked? Can he find a way to hold on? Or just more importantly, can he avoid the big shot for as long as that fight lasts, especially if it goes the distance? Like, that's very fucking difficult to do against a guy with this kind of punishing, fight-altering power on a moment's notice. Um, but he does have defensive liabilities, to be clear. All right, how active will Izzy be to start this fight? More natural of a counterpuncher. Does he have to, though, establish the jab and take it to Parade early? Or is he going to spend that first round just getting his looks, gauging speed, power, distance, everything? Not quite like Jan takes like two, three minutes. I don't think it'll be quite like that. But I do think you're going to have a more reserved first round from Izzy. I don't think he wants to start with this guy with a ton of confidence. I think he wants to set the tone that you can't touch me. I yeah. do think he'll do that. Wants to set the tone that you can't find me. I'm going to confuse you. I'm going to make you look stupid. I'm going to make you look like you're swinging at nothing but air all the time. Whether or not he'll be able to be successful, we shall see. But I think that's the tone he's going to want to set early. And after that, it's hard to say exactly what will open up. Um, that may force Pereira into a more urgent kind of fighting, in which case it's crazy four-ounce gloves. Who the hell knows? I think the other thing to pay attention to, BC, is I go back to this all the time. Pereira used to be a guy who blocked like this, and he still does to an extent, bringing his guard high for folks who are listening on the audio, audio podcast version. Um, but now you'll see him with his hands much lower. I actually talked about this with Izzy. Partly it's for wrestling purposes so he can get his hands down there for the down block. Um, but, but the reality is, too, if you watch some of these fights, when he's in the middle of the cage or in a kickboxing fight almost anywhere because you can still lean over the ropes, he will lean out of the way and get out of the way. He rolls with a lot of punches. Um, you will see that a little bit. But when he gets up against the cage... He doesn't have a lot of well-practiced defense right. along that, that fence line, whereas Izzy does. I wonder, I wonder, I want to see if anyone takes any effort to quite obviously pressure the other guy backwards or if they're good to just circle each other in the center. That would be interesting yeah. to see. So the, the underlying storyline or the little, you know, we've been teasing around the idea 
you know, Pareda has many questions to answer, and a lot of those are on the ground, too. I mean, he's a you know professional kickboxer turned devastating striker in mixed martial arts. So is Izzy's potential turn to shooting a double leg or just looking to be physical in the clinch along the cage, does that only come through necessity if, if Pareda lands a big shot? Or do you see that as a potential legitimate strategy for Izzy in the first two rounds to try to strategically time a takedown, even if it's just to plant a seed, pull a little bit on that gas tank? Will we see Izzy initiate this without being forced to do it through taking damage? This one I don't know. I don't have a good answer for because my heart of hearts. T- Here's what I would say. I think Izzy wants to win on kickboxing alone. I really do. On the other hand, just thinking about the smart way to fight this fight, if you really do have, we've talked about A, a games and B games. Every fighter's A game is their best game. What happens when that gets taken away? Do you have a B game? Izzy is never forced all that often to go to his B game. And so you just he's just able to lord the A game over everyone. In this particular case, he may not be able to lord the A game, so now he has to go to the B game, which would be offensive wrestling, which on the offensive wrestling side, we just haven't seen anything from him. What I do think is possible, BC, is one, you might see it. I think there's a decent chance you see at least a shot in the first two rounds. And I'll tell you why. Not really to get the takedown, but to see what happens, to see what kind of reaction he gets, and then pummel with him, force him to work, right? Because you can make a guy work. This is the, the genius of Habib. People would be like, oh, well, this guy resisted the takedown for X number of seconds or minutes before he's able to get it. Yeah. But the whole time, Habib is making him work on Habib's terms. So he's already taken down and just – he's dead already and doesn't know it. Um, I, you know, obviously, it's, it's not quite the same here with Izzy's in his wrestling. But I think if he can make him work and then let him go, you might see that. That, to me, seems fairly likely. But a full-on – you know, John Smith, low single, probably, probably not. not. Probably not. I do want to see so many answers, questions answered by uh, Pareda, including, you know, is he going to have the same poise if he starts falling down three rounds to zero? And it's pretty clean that Izzy's, you know, tap dancing at times, but landing clean shots and just that that experience gap, that technique gap is so wide. Is he going to go the Jessica Andrade route and be this so stay so calm and poised and just wait, wait, wait for that moment? I mean, even Andrade getting lit up by um, Ioana for five rounds, she was making moves in those championship rounds where you're like, oh God, she's never going to be out of this with that power. We don't know that. We, I mean, you know, we can only gauge Pareda on uh, on her how he how he seemed to do mentally with the pressure of standing up to to, to the spotlight MSG main event. He seemed to have done that that well. He played the role of, you know, foreign movie villain correctly and, and, and showed out well. Um, do you have any questions or concerns? I mean, you know, gas tank is something you're going to have to prove at this level in five rounds, so we're all going to have those concerns. But some of those intangibles, will he be the type of guy that folds when things don't go his way? Or have we already seen enough footage of how they interact, albeit in kickboxing, where Pareto was getting kind of lit up in that rematch until he landed the boom late? Maybe this is all a non-issue. He's a warrior. He is that dude. Yeah, I don't really have any – I don't have any questions about their medal. That's what you mean. The only question I have is, you know, is he can go five, proven, right? Yeah. The, the, that gas tank question is going to be interesting. Maybe nothing. The, he made the weight. Looked like shit on the scales. That's a huge weight cut for him. He's much better suited for 205. Um, but if he's in great shape and can recover tonight, we shall see. We shall see. This is the biggest threat of Izzy's <laughs> reign up to this point. Uh, you know, certainly Robert Whitaker in the rematch was, was a better threat in the all-around game and the potential to try to, you know, beat Izzy in decision straight up. But this is the pure, true knockout threat. So if you're Pareda, 
it's almost the same question reverse when we're talking about Izzy. Do you have to come out as the aggressor? Do you have to drop enough of a seed in that opening round of how real your power really is to begin that process of of, of Izzy being more defensive than he wants to be? Yeah, a little bit. I think he has to go out there. And I, this the first round again. Both guys are going to be careful. I don't think it's going to be like I'm going to set the fucking tone in that way. Um, but if you're Pereira, you got to show that. Um, you're just not buying into Izzy's game. You're not biting on the feints. You're making him faint less because he has to move. He can't. He can't. He can't set down and throw. Um, he's getting corralled. He's getting controlled. Maybe you clinch with him a little bit, and if you're stronger than him, which he should be, throwing him around potentially right knees up the middle. He's already good at that anyway. I think you want to go out there and not play Izzy's game as much as possible if you're Pereira. And really, like this is—I mean, this is what's going to come down to—is yes, the individual traps they set, but also like just who whose fight are they fighting? And if yep. they're both standing, well, then they're both getting their fight. But I mean, no, really, the, the nitty-gritty details—who's reacting to who? Who is setting the offensive terms that the other person then has to answer for? That's really what you're looking for. And I think if you're putting out that jab of his, the jab to the—he has a phenomenal jab to the body, which we don't even talk about. It sets up a lot of his other stuff. Um, it sets up a lot of his kicks. Sets up a lot of his other punches. Sets up a lot of his angles attacks. So he's got a phenomenal jab, phenomenal body jab. I think you stick that in his face right away. Bust up his nose. Let him know what time it is. Corral him, not biting on the feints, making him move, making him react, that kind of stuff. It's going to be very interesting to see how it goes down. Uh, Luke Thomas, how does it go down? What are you looking for? What's going to determine this ultimately? Um, Type of games are being played. How's it going yeah. down, right? I think if you're Pereira, you you definitely have planned for this to go 25, but I don't think that's in your interest to go 25. So I think it's really about delivering not maximum punishment, but you need to accumulative changing punishment, right? The kind where first round was a little bit, second round's even worse, third round is unbearable, you know, that kind of a thing. But, he, but to interrupt you, doesn't Pereira have to prove that that chin is super elite? Does he need his to be? Chin? Yeah. Does he? Are we on overlooking? You know that his chin may be the ultimate decider in this. Could fight. be. Yes. Certainly could be. Certainly could be. And again, I think whoever pressures the other one, that's going to make it interesting too. But here's just the way I look at it. And listen, I'll, I'll be very clear with the audience here. Right? There's a full disclaimer. It is obvious that I have a very high opinion of the champ. Right? And so anything I say, can I divorce? Like the like the view that I have of him from the analysis, probably not. So all I can do to you is make you an argument. It is up to you to decide how valuable that is. Just based on the way I'm seeing this, I like the champion to retain. I recognize that it is one of the more unique threats, maybe the most difficult threat he's faced because styles make fights. We shall see. And I recognize that of the two, I find Pereira to the 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 Evidence would tell us that he is, to this point, the bigger power puncher, although he does get hit. So I would say he's a real serious threat to the champ, and obviously he could put his lights out at any moment. But based on the available evidence, I think what I can also see is that the champion has more adapted his game to the realities of the cage, to the realities of MMA, and I do think he is overall more skilled. So I'm going to stick 
with what I have always said, which is that skills win fights. I think it might get boring in certain parts, to be quite honest with you. I think you might get times where Izzy is jabbing and leg kicking, and that's that's going to be that. Or it could be like, you know, it's cost all over again where he just knocks his ass out like it's nothing. I tend to think it's going to be pretty difficult. It's probably going to go into the championship rounds, and it'll get decided there. Um, I like the champion to retain. I will. I do. Under your way of thinking how you th- see this fight going, what happens then if Pereira isn't willing to risk getting knocked out to win? Let's say we get to a point where he's getting handled, he's getting dominated, and while, yes, he's looking for setups to throw one big shot, Izzy's reading everything, and he seems... He'll get finished. He seems tired enough. Will we see... And this is where the question of what do those first two fights outside of the UFC matter in this one? Will we see a motivated Izzy to try to make that statement and maybe put himself in the potential of you danger? Might. To, and, to, that, and that still gives a guy like Pereira like an interesting way to win. I mean, let's think about something here. No, right? but do you think Izzy's going to go for the stamp and 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 dance on his grave and Caleb? I don't Blanton. think I don't think Izzy's ever going to fight stupidly. If that's what you're asking. But if you're asking, like, are there going to be punctuated moments where he does press on the gas offensively with some risk adopted? Yeah, I do, I do think that. But I want to make a point about Pereira, which if you're a Pereira fan, you should give you some hope. <sighs> um, obviously, he's already a threat. We know that. But think about something. Cannoneer was able to survive against Izzy and they kind of be there a little bit. But he couldn't really get over the hump because he had built a game plan around just taking out the more dangerous elements of what Izzy did, not really finding a way to get his offense going. Pereira doesn't really have to worry about that. Like, yes, they're going to build a game plan around his strengths, um, but Pereira has enough kickboxing skill where he doesn't have to worry about, okay, I got to make sure when we see Izzy do this, we take that away. He can make reads on the fly. Some of this is already in, ingrained in him, and he's going to be much more suited to, like, I'm just going to worry about my kickboxing Yeah, style. he can make Izzy have to react to him. Exactly right, whereas other guys are so worried about just not falling into Izzy's traps, the whole thing gets nullified. Pereira doesn't have to really worry about that, so he doesn't have to build a game plan that's uh, ineffective but safe. It might be it, it might be quite the opposite, unsafe but highly effective, and that separates him from these last contenders who have just kind of ground Izzy into this I mean, did, boring nothingness. Did Cannonier almost have access to too good information that he was waiting around to try to create Too good defensively, but remember, the thing that held him back was he just couldn't get right. meaningful offense going. So, dude, I said this to Izzy's face. Like, they've kind of solved him defensively. Yeah. They have. Yeah. They can't get over the hump, but that 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 line of thinking that a camp would undertake, it would just never occur to Pereira and Teixeira to do something right. like that. They don't need to. They need to make. They need to have broad assessments about what Izzy Willow won't do. But all the individual stuff in the middle, they can just figure it out on the fly. He's that good. Look at the end of the day, and this does play into the whole idea of like you know, is is he boring or the casuals just filthy and they don't understand brilliance, you know, in a Mayweather way or whatever. Look, I've said it. There's certain types of fighters that can bring out the best in you. I think Pareda, especially with the backstory, is exactly that type of threat who's going to bring out the killer version of Israel Adesanya, the very best version of him. It doesn't mean he's not going to get hit. I expect Izzy to have to taste the power here. I expect to see. Some good action. If you've been on that whole, man, Izzy's boring, he's, he's five-round GSP now, that type of bullshit train, and you've been missing the pure art, this is the type of matchup that's going to bring you back. And it takes somebody, by the way, with the the danger that Pareto brings, but with the mindset, too, of, of at some point you've got to risk it all to go for it. I think exactly that's what Poetan's going to do because, look, the, like the window's small with his age. He's enjoyed huge success and glory, two-division champion. That run, everybody he touched was was falling. He's made an accelerated leap into this game. 
and he's proven that he can swim, whether he's got in the proper prerequisite amount of fights or challenges against the right styles. Either way, he's here. He's dangerous enough to make this exactly the best case scenario for Adesanya, which means an exciting fight, but one that Adesanya finishes. Luke, the more I think about it, I think there's going to be fun moments of back and forth fighting. I think there's going to be adjustments that need to be made. But when this gets into the late third and early fourth, I think gas tank's going to be a difference. And I think Adesanya is going to be in there to prove a point by finish and he'll get the TKO. And, you know, for a while we'll forget about, you know, well, he didn't really push the the, the gas against Romero. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. This is a weird ass fight. But um, when he needs to be, and he'll need to be tomorrow night, Luke, he's going to deliver that. The artistry. The, the pageantry, the, the the masterpiece will be there, but so will the finish. Put the camera on Luke's face to react to this. Izzy by knockout. I got a CKB from here to uh, Melbourne, okay? Melbourne? Yeah. I don't know about by knockout, but I do think he probably should retain. We'll see. I think Beretta's going to make sure he gets knocked out because he's going to try to win the fight, Luke. That's what happens. That's in this deep, game. bro. That is what's deep. Trust. Trust is life. That's very deep. Thank you, Vinny. Very passionate about this fight. You see, you've already checked out of it. No, no, I was just doing a Goodwill Hunting bit on you. Okay, it's not your fault. No, no, the other one. What is trust, Vinny? Trust is uh, <laughs> trust is life. That's very deep, Vinny. That's, Thank you. That's deep. Um, Luke, do you think I, with just surgical gloves, I could suddenly be like, this should have been my Halloween costume? I'm a hybrid love child of MMA referee Jason Herzog. If he if he made passionate love to Keith Peterson, I'd be like the offspring. I kind of have that look, right? I mean, two you guys know, could bang and you know, yeah. All I just need, I just need the surgical gloves and maybe the fragrance of uh, hooch and cheap women. Uh, you already have that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, our co-main event on Saturday. It's pick prediction time, and it goes down women's strawweight division. Prediction time. The champion Carla Esparza, six-fight win streak, her first defense of her second reign. Yes, in winning it in May against the split decision against Rose Namajunas, it was among the worst fights in UFC title history. Whether they're booing Carla for the right reasons or the wrong ones, they don't like her, and she's not expected to win against rising former champion Zhang Weili. Minus 320 is Weili. Plus 265 for Carla Esparza. Poor Carla. The 35. Look, I've even seen people in my DMs going, look, Carla, great run, but at 35, you could see in her face, she's ready to retire after this fight. I mean, people are just, they're really starting to act like she's never done anything and she doesn't and have that a they didn't, And that they didn't boo Zhang Weili like two fights ago calling her a communist. Yeah, I mean, look, I dude, uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, I think Zhang Weili is going to win. But Luke, let's let's put some respect on the champion. No, hold on, name. hold on, hold on. Before you do this, like we got to respect Carla. Of course we respect Carla. Of course Absolutely. we do. Absolutely. And I do agree so let's that— let's respect her by plotting a path to victory here. I don't think there is one. Ooh. Seriously. Ooh, what is wow. the path to victory here? What's a—give what's a, me a probable path to it victory. Would, it would have to involve successful offensive wrestling and the ability to land elbows and forearms. And Jung Whaley's not going to take that. Right. It would, it would require, chance. one, consistent ability to take her down and maintain top position. Right, so those are two different things that are already difficult enough. And then three, to have enough control in the top position to land a meaningful ground and pound. Because if someone's squirmy underneath, right, they're hard to land ground and pound on. I just don't believe that some of that might happen, some of that here and there. I do believe that, that she's not completely incapable of doing any of that. But enough of that to win, it, that just doesn't. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't think there's. I don't. And I don't think the evidence necessarily suggests that either. So we're making an edu educated guess here. You have a crystal ball. I don't have a crystal ball, but from what I can tell, like I don't, 
I don't know what the path to victory would be. My here. crystal ball is like an illegal cable box in the '90s. Everybody's got access to the same pick for this fight, and it is Zhang Weili, who has only looked better since losing via head kick to Rose in the first fight. Looked really good in the rematch, and you can make a case for her. And then uh, absolutely decimated Joanna in their rematch with the, just showing how dangerous she can be with the spinning with the spinning shit. To be fair, she's even more bulked up and jacked. Her she can wrestle now. So Luke. Man, I have never, I cannot compare this to any scenario where somebody as respected as Carla is just afterthoughted here. Is this then also not just going to be Zhang Weili regaining her title and maybe opening the door for a Rose trilogy and more, you know, uh, prestige to come as one of the biggest forces in this division's history? Does it come through domination and a finish, or is Esparza at least competitive here? Can potentially go the distance here? What are we going to see from Carla? It, you know, if we all believe that it's going to go way these way. You know what? That's an interesting question because I do think Carla can find ways to slow the fight down and make it safe for her. And I don't think here's the other part too. Like remember the Owen Jacek fight when she couldn't get the takedown, she just collapsed. I mean, it was the fight was a disaster for her from yeah. there. Her face changed. It was really bad. I don't think we're necessarily going to see that this time. That level of just terror that went across her face. Um, but I think you're going to get something kind of similar. Inevitably, the offense won't be there when it needs to be. Inevitably, the offense is not going to work. And so she's going to have to find ways to defensively hang on. I think she will in certain spots. But ultimately, dude, ultimately she's going to get overwhelmed. I really believe that. Dude, ultimately. Wait, wait, let's, I mean, part of the reason, though, separate <laughs> from any, any misdirected you know, hate or whatever or blame for Carla for the Rosary match, which obviously she had some culpability in that. Um, when you look at Jung Wei Lee, though, I mean, she's a knockout threat. She's a machine. Right. Uh, I mean, could she take Carla down and it's yeah. still oh, yeah. grounded oh, pound yeah. top work? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No problem. Could take her down, throw her down just to force a scramble, take her back. You know, there's all kinds. Dude, Zhang Weili, we don't talk about it. Like, her submission threat, she doesn't use it a lot these days, but I do think it's fair to say she could have one when she needs it. Um and I think she's been sharpening her game a lot the last couple of years. It's really turned a corner and, and has become a dynamic threat. So obviously, you know, the, the, it stands to reason, again, based on the available evidence, that she would probably use some combination of striking and, and or offensive wrestling or, you know, just, just disrupting her balance and base to make gains. And I think that's what it will happen. But, like, you know, dude, I, I, Zhang Weili has a lot of reasonable paths to victory here. I, I just don't know what a clear, good argument for Car Carla Esparza would look like. In hindsight, obviously part of our Esparza six-fight win streak comes the, the disputed factor. Four of the fights were disputed decisions. One majority, three split. But when you consistently win close fights, and we talk about this about Canelo, right? The money fighter, so he always gets the benefit of the doubt. He's also really efficient and lands clean, hard counter shots, which in a lot of judges' eyes can offset someone trying to box around him. Like there's reasons at the end of the day separate from some of the, well, that's the more popular fighter, that's boxing. What is there anything Esparza's done in these close fights to get the nod that we're not giving her credit? That more that more focused on her medal or her vision, her ability to make adjustments. But this isn't a, to me like none of this is a question of Carla's intensity. None of this is a question of like her physical preparedness. This is all about Whaley, is what you're saying. Really, really, yeah. I mean, like yes, in fights where there where she is reasonably competitive with the other person, have you seen evidence of Carla going late for a takedown to like really seal around or 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 um, you know, just try to t try to make sure that she did everything she could to get the win on the, either the round or overall. Yeah, like you've seen that from her. She's physically prepared. She does have a good skill set. Like all those things are true. But if the matchup is bad, none of those intangibles really matter all that much. Right? If the if the if the disparity is great enough, 
It's like, dude, if I tried to, you know, if I tried to have a grappling match with Gordon Ryan and I had all the motivation in the world, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like, I'm, you're going to get turned into a pretzel. You can become a dime store Gordon Ryan like our social media uh, producer, Brendan. <laughs> Brendan Lynch. He's jacked, Brendan Lynch, though, you know? Yeah, he's young. But it doesn't be. mean he's going to be as good as Gordon. He's not. But I, he, I, I got, I got news for Brendan. You're not going to be. But You know, Brendan should join high rollers. I'd go chair him on. Probably has. But the point I want to make was, you know, it, yes, like, I do believe in Carla being a championship quality fighter. Like, she's very, very good. Just a terrible fucking matchup for her. Is it? I hate doing this, but if Zhang Weili wins and takes on Rose in a trilogy, if that's the way the UFC goes, and I think they will, people, is there like a way to frame that as like the most important fight in the division's history? Like no one has the consecutive title defenses that Yoana did, and, and I'm the biggest Yoana fan, so you can't accuse me of forgetting, but... In an unofficial way, like not every fight has to be for the goat ship of the division, but in an unofficial way, Rose versus Zhang Weili part three could kind of decide who was the best that ever did it at this weight class in the UFC. I mean, that's a if hell of a far, potential yeah. matchup, Yes, right? if we get that far, I could have some extraordinary stakes for the division, yes. The division's history. Division's history. All right, how does Zhang Weili do it in the end, Luke? Let's say TKO in the third. I think is about right for me. Uh, somewhere somewhere around that, I think eventually. Rear naked. I'm feeling rear naked here. Yeah. No, seriously. You're That's, feeling rear naked, are you? I, I, that wasn't intended to be disgusting. When it slipped behind you. I, <laughs> you think we should get a mat during our live show, remove this desk and just get a mat and we can. Yeah, I'd love to kick your fucking ass maybe, for two you know, hours. We could, yeah. do, we could do theater. So the people that didn't buy the pay-per-view, they can watch our thing and then we'll act out whatever is happening in yeah, the yeah, cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have to pick up front who we who we are in that fight, and you have to allow the other person and to. And we should get strippers <laughs> for no reason other than to have them. Um, That's a very Colby Covington move. Yeah, it is. Has he has he made the transition yet to not not to a, a woman, but to becoming a full time DeSantis twenty twenty four, or is he going to stick with I don't know. The, I guess, Donald during the, yeah, uh, that's the thing. Like he he kind of hitched his wagon to a dude. Are we, is it inevitable that the Donald becomes the independent? Runner and then he goes up against DeSantis for the actual. Bro, they don't. They're not. They're not boys. They're not boys. DeSantis versus Trump is the big one in twenty twenty three. How can John Fetterman work his way into this? <laughs> okay. Uh, the answer to the question is, I think Zhang Weili shuts down Carla yeah. long enough where she eventually just turns the tide and overwhelms her. Third round submission. You like that? Third round. I'll say TKO. I'll say TKO, but I think that's about right. All right. Uh, this is the people's main event, as The Rock would say, and as Ariel would say, Ariel would say. I don't. Dustin what? Poirier. My, Ariel believes that he created the term the people's main event, and anyone that says it like owes him TM royalty, you know? I know you shit, Ariel. Look at that goofy fucking toothy smile. You Look close into my eyes. The, you, like, I have the authority of a UFC referee right now, right? I'm, I'm a little, like, a little, little bit of a young Mazzagatti vibe, right? You look like a sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, look, expect action, right? Expect fireworks. But if we take anything from the fight week narrative and the press conference, and Luke, I wrote a feature about this fight on CBSSports.com and played into some of those narratives, you did have Chandler potentially dropping a cryptic uh, preview of what we should see when he framed the whole idea of, look, like, I'm not going out there to make the fight of the night. I'm going out there to win. I'm going out there to become the champion next year. That leads you to believe some things. Could he be wrestling more? Could he be looking to play it safe? Also, in the same press conference, he made the same type of declarations you would 
want him to about, you know, we're just going to go in there and that's, it's just going to be what it's going to be. We're going to bang. Of course they will. But you've also got Dustin Poirier on the flip side, almost going complete ham in the other direction of saying, I'm going to knock Chandler the, the F out. It's going to be an early knockout. I'm coming after him. Like, let's do this. <clears throat> Luke, is that a, should we believe Chandler that he may play it more safe and B is this the right call for Dustin Poirier to be so blood and guts and chase after the Thunder in this one? I'm a little, you know, I'm intrigued. This is going to be a great fight. I'm intrigued. I think you actually do want to do that with Chandler a little bit. If you're Poirier, if you're Poirier, especially if Chandler's trying to wrestle you, you obviously want to, dude, like what is, what is Poirier's path to victory here? Jabbing and low kicking? Seriously? Like, are you really going to be able to keep Michael Chandler off of you with yeah. a jab and a Drop him, take his back, try to choke him, right? Or, or get on top or whatever. You, you know, just Or just finish him off you on the feet. He might finish, yeah. yeah, cream, shaboogie, wow. Boogie. But the reality is, um, I think, right I, I, I think ser serious question. If Chandler is telling the truth yes. and he's going to wrestle, could he do that for three rounds no. against Poirier? You don't think so? I think he can strategically time takedowns and like tire. Claim a minute or two of them? Tire Poirier out, maybe even threaten with some ground and pound. And, and yeah, he can make that part of his strategy. But, Luke, it does feel inevitable, especially a three-rounder compared to a five-rounder, that say what you want, either guy. It's going to be what it's going to be, and it's more likely that what it's going to be is what these guys do. Make great fights against other great action fighters in this era. I know the stakes, as we laid out on Wednesday, are potentially different. Either guy with a spectacular knockout, that may be enough to cut the line past Benny Dariush or Alexander Volkanovsky for the next shot at the title. I think it's good business practice if either of these legends gets a big win here to do it. I do have some kind of fear, though, because look, look Chandler can say what he is. When they trade, when they taste each other, it's going to be a fight. I don't know if Poirier should be setting this type of precedent, Luke. Do, is it? Is it? I don't know. I got. I got. I have concerns. People are trying to out me as a Poirier hater. I love that guy, Luke. He's an American hero. Okay, are we going to talk about the fight? We actually are right now. Yeah. All right. Odds, Luke, minus two ten. Dustin Poirier, thirty three years old. <laughs> Plus one eighty. Michael Chandler, thirty six years old. Will this be as explosive, less or more, than Chandler versus Gaethje one year ago in the same building? Ooh. Ooh. As explosive. As explosive. I think it'll be as explosive. I think um, in its own way, it won't be any better than that, but I don't think it's going to be any worse. I think it'll be on it is, its own. It won't look the same, but you'll have a, you'll take away the same kind of feeling. Although that one was a little bit disappointing in the sense that it went to a decision. Yes. I don't think this it, one it, goes. It petered out a bit in the third yes, round. Yes, yes. I don't think this one goes to a decision. Okay, if the over-under, I didn't look it up, but what if it, if it was at the midway point of the second round? Is it over or under in this case? Ooh, great question. Wow. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. But not the distance or it's it's in play? Distance is in play. I'm talking about two tough fucking guys here. Um, I'll, mm, that's a tough. Ooh, that's a tough one. Okay, both are killers, but and they can go and been in five round fights. Before. But what we love about them, both of them, is their vulnerability. Their the Dude, fact Justin that Poirier they, does not have a bad chin. No, I, but he, he but but he, because he's always in wars against elite fighters. He has a flash chin potentially. I mean, yes. you know, Michael Johnson, yes. first Connor fight, they got him out of there quick. And that's why I think Chandler is super dangerous for him in this matchup. But Luke, um, both are both have perfect levels of entertainment vulnerability, which means they can get hurt, but they can, you know, they can bend and not break, and they can make dramatic, sort of almost Frankie Edgar-like comebacks within a fight, and they can just be hellacious in their Luke. Is going to catch up to both of them eventually. 
this one's not going the distance. Mm. This one is going to be what we hope it is at the end of the day, hellacious once they trade power. And I don't know if you can get the camera on me, but I've been, I, I don't even- You got the crystal ball. I don't know if people are ready to hear this because I don't always get to, you know, prepare myself for, for the, you know, the, but as I dig in, as I dig in deep here, there's, I'm seeing something. I can see the head now. Whoa! Wow! That, that wow! That was a lot to get that out, Luke, and just and show it to the world. All right, here's the deal: Poirier's younger, but I do get what Chandler's saying when he defends his own potential shop warmness. He has been in firefights, but they've largely been shorter firefights. Poirier's been in deep firefights and a lot of fights in which he's won, like the Dan Hooker or the Max Holloway fight. I think if you go back with a you know devil's advocate cynical look on Poirier's most recent run post climbing the mountain and facing Habib and then you know getting humbled right there is the potential for fool's gold in there the two wins over Connor the 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 war with Hooker even to some degree it's being ultra cynical but Luke I feel like at this moment Poirier is a little bit more potentially shopworn, and I think Chandler is the wrong guy to f with. And Poirier seems to be welcoming it and standing in the mirror and saying the name three times. And the thing about Michael Chandler, Luke, whether you respect him as the the com- number one company man, you better respect that power. He takes a hit and he stays in there and throws, and he was that close to winning the lightweight championship against Charles Oliveira just a year ago. I think Chandler's got a little bit more left in the tank offensively, and it may not matter if you think his chin is even a little bit flashier in terms of your ability to hurt him and and put him in jeopardy than Poirier's. I think he gets to Poirier. I think they hurt each other in round one, and I think Chandler's the last man standing. And I know because Dustin Poirier is an American hero, Luke, people don't want to hear that. (laughs) I've also had Brent Brookhouse of CBS Sports tell me it's like plus 800 if you bet Chandler by second round KO. That seems a little off. I mean, if you want to make money off of what I've seen, the track record tells you, Luke, Woodley versus Till, all right? All right? Dude, look at him. Bivol versus like, Canelo. can't tolerate human contact. <laughs> no, disassemble. Luke, how do you feel about this? You know, like I- I feel about you, BC. You know, when I don't, I don't like the term MMA profit, but sometimes you have to deliver harsh messages. You have to be the middleman. You have to be the person that accosts somebody in public, tries to make them feel like you're friends with them, only to pull out the subpoena real quick and then run. I have to be that guy in the MMA world. Have you ever delivered subpoenas to people? No, but this I've feels like it. delivering a baby getting this out. But it's out, Luke. I've, I've done it. It's not fun. It's not fun. Um, it's like being a repo man, right? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I'm like, yeah, I don't work for this motherfucker, but I kind of do, you know? Uh, you know what, BCI? This is where we part ways a little bit. Please. This is where I leave you. <laughs> this is where we get divorced. Here's the reality on this one. I think a pick for Chandler is very okay. Uh, I don't really have any issue with it. Their numbers are not hugely dissimilar, right? Strikes landed per minute for Poirier, 5.61. For Michael Chandler, 5.17. Strikes absorbed per minute for Poirier, 4.28. For Chandler, 4.87. So in either case, you have Michael Chandler uh, lands a little bit less, it takes a little bit more damage. Not a huge amount in either direction, but there is a difference overall. 
I think that's going to be the difference in the NBC. I actually do feel like Poirier is going to get Poirier is always in tough ass fights. He's you know the guy's re- resume is incredible. It catches up overnight. It does. It does. You're right. Like here's the thing, man. I'm kind of banking on Poirier still having some durability left after all those wars, and that's a sketchy bet. I didn't it's like some of bet. his reactions in the Oliveira loss. I didn't. Look- I think that's fair. I, I really I, I don't have a strong argument about it other than to say. I just feel like we've seen a little bit more of Chandler being again not not Michael. I think Michael Bisping called him chinny. I think that's a little strong, but just not being as durable historically over the over the run. But to your point, what does that mean for Saturday? It could absolutely okay, so, be a case where he falls off a cliff. I, I, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I'm banking on I'm picking Poirier and I'm banking on that what we have seen will largely continue as Poirier being more durable than and Chandler and then that playing a difference in the Okay, game. then let me ask you what Poirier's front-facing offer this week of it's going to be a blood and gets war and I'm yeah, going to knock him out. he went to a press conference and said a bunch of bullshit okay, to get the fans that? riled up. End of, end of That's all it is? Yeah. Yeah, what the so fuck? F- what else do you think it is? This is fake Here's news. It's all it fake is, news. Luke. It's All, all be, of MMA news is fake news. You used all to fake be able news. to lure Poirier into a war, right? Connor did it the first one and yes. took advantage of that. Yes. Poirier grew Chandler up could do in the same. front of our eyes but he doesn't normally use that type of verbiage. Um, he might, yeah. Listen, you could get a bit of a role reversal here, where in fact Chandler's more reserved in wrestling, and looking to counter and with Poirier is a little bit more uh, unbalanced and kind of you know getting in front of his skis a little bit, and that that playing a role. I don't I don't dispute that that's possible. I mean, I just don't think that's the pro- the likeliest way yeah, this ends. Sometimes the crystal ball tells you gone via wrestling or in Gano via wrestling, and you have to share it with the world. You know, what <laughs> I mean, it's not an easy message to share, but that's what happened. We'll that's see. Why they pay you the big bucks. We we will, and I love Dustin Poirier, so I know people are not ready to feel this, what they're going to feel. Luke, are they ready to feel this? And that's Frankie Edgar's final fight. It's going to go down on the main card on Saturday. He's a plus 185 veteran uh, underdog in this Bantamweight tilt. Against a Chris Gutierrez, a plus minus 215 underdog, who under the shadows to a certain degree, 6-0-1 in his last seven, has been beginning to carve out his own identity. This would be the biggest name he's to face. Frankie looked what he is, Luke, an aging great fighter at the press conference, but we it was enough for us to sort of shout it out. Very few people are giving him a chance stylistically. I hope he doesn't get stopped, but that if he does, he's going to go out guns blazing because that's what Frankie Edgar does, Luke. Give me a reason to stay here, right, or I'll turn right back around in terms of the idea that Frankie's going to be okay, that maybe even can go the distance here, or maybe he can even win it. Talk me into this. I Luke. think so what has – we talked about this in detail before. I believe he fought Holloway. And this is why Holloway was a bad matchup for him, but the fight was kind of close in, in a sense, which was the key to Frankie striking is actually very good. One of the first guys who really had, I thought, pretty crisp boxing fundamentals oh, yeah. in MMA. One of the very first guys who took that seriously. But the truth is his striking game takes off when he can complement it with takedowns. Now, he doesn't need the takedowns to last for very long, but he needs that dual threat where he's coming in and he's level changing and you can't quite tell what he's going to do next, and then he mixes everything together. That's when he has his opponents reeling. So to me, BC, it's a very simple equation. Can he establish the takedown? Again, doesn't have to hold the guy down for very long, but can he establish a real takedown threat and then use that takedown threat as a way to make his striking come to life? It's the Frankie special. If you can shut down his wrestling, the rest of it becomes much more predictable. Also, Chris Gutierrez, Gutierrez, 
Uh, phenomenal kicker. He's phenomenal got kicker. In this yes, he does. He's a phenomenal leg kicker. He's a phenomenal kicker overall. He switches stances. He's clever. So really, it's out the distance closing of Frankie Edgar here. How does he navigate that space? That's going to be really interesting here as well. And I do expect him to push Gutierrez backwards um, up against that fence line to sort of reduce what he can do and, and, and uh, corral his I have movement. the feeling that win or lose here, Frankie's going to give us a Frankie-style moment, meaning he's going to get maybe— Dude, when does he ever let you down? Make, I'm not saying when does he win or lose. I'm saying when does he let you down? When do you, when, do you, when has he ever— Never. Dude, 30? 30? Was he 30 UFC fights, whatever he's had? But never missed weight. Never. No, never. the ultimate professional. I mean, when John Anik showers him during the press conference and says, <laughs> you know, I've seen love in the past for somebody like Chuck Liddell, and Chuck Liddell is, was beloved in his, you know, prime and retirement. I mean, like— that Frankie may have exceeded that in terms of the fans just loving him. Why? Because he turns into Rocky Balboa. So I feel like inevitably we're gonna he's gonna deliver that because that's what MMA like cyclical karma is, right? Like he's gonna probably get hurt in this fight early and then have some type of moment to rally, whether that's rally to make an argument on the scorecards or rally to hurt Gutierrez back before losing. I don't know, but I feel like with the crowd behind him, this nothing has felt fully right about this Frankie exit, right? There's been like a little you know, like just that feeling of like, I just hope he doesn't get Ortega again or yeah. Cheeto Vered. I kind of, I kind of feel like he may be okay. Not, so maybe not to win the fight, but to just show out. Gutierrez takes a little while to get going, um, which I think will serve Frankie's interests, especially early. Uh, but the thing is, if you see Frankie getting his legs chopped up, which yeah. is a high possibility given what Gutierrez is good at, then he's in trouble. Then he's in trouble because then he can't level change effectively. He can't wrestle effectively. And so if he can't wrestle effectively, his striking becomes much more manageable. Yeah. Remember that MTV special about that guy from the Jersey Shore who had like the white Chuck Mindenhall hat and he wore the wife beater and he like thought he was the coolest shit and he was always going out and like getting into fights and yeah, they remember that in my ear. Thank you for that. Anyone, 90s, lower third year of MTV, thank you. I don't want Frankie's career to be sad at the end like that guy's personal life was, you know. Thank you. Jersey Shore, shout out. Luke, to open this pay-per-view main card Saturday night, and we're going to be reacting live during the fights with our companion. Don't forget that. How about the minus 145 favorite, Dan Hooker, against Claudio Poegis, plus 125 from South America. Was it Peru? Or did I Peru, yes. Peru. Uh, Luke, so here's the key question. Best food in South America. Dan Hooker's really good. And there's this like bittersweet feeling because we know how good he is and how hungry he is. We also know he's taken some damage. We also know he's lost, you know, just as much as he's won of late. Is this the beginning of Dan Hooker carving out a new chapter in his career? Or is Dan Hooker inevitably on that roller coaster ride to like Marlon Moraes territory where yeah. you're like, man, he's young, but he can't stop losing to good guys. This is why you don't want to take too much damage. The thing is, Dan Hooker's best wins are better than anything Claudio has done. Like, just not, they're not even close, you know? In the cage, probably not in the DMs, probably. Probably not in the DMs. I would imagine Claudio uh, does quite well for himself. But you get the idea. Like, we're talking about, you know, Dan Hooker, Dan Hooker has done some really impressive fucking things. We talked about that four-fight run he went on where he was beating Jim Miller and Gilbert Burns and shit like that. It was amazing. Stopping people, too. Yeah, stopping them. But, dude, he's taken a fuck ton of damage. Now, he never he takes time off, dude. He's he just never go, takes time go, off. He go. told Submission Radio that he really went back to the lab on this one. Like, what are all my mistakes? Let me yeah. go clean them up, which I thought was actually really smart that he did that. So I do have some hope for him here. If he wrestles like he did against Hosk Parag, Mixes it up. He's got to have because that Because he's such a balance. good striker, too. I don't, want, I don't want him to get away from that, but to mix it up, right? To mix it up. I are, think you know, I'm showing uh, Arnold Allen here. I mean, well, that was the fight with uh, Hooker from before. Okay, a little quality control, guys. This this is guys not 
not relevant to our conversation. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but what I was going to say a lot was of giggles in that back room. I yeah, love those guys. Dude, but Claudio Poyas is fucking good, man. And I think he's really beginning to his stars beginning to rise. Two, I mentioned uh, two knee bar submissions back to back in the UFC. It's very, very like that might be unheard of. Danny Segura says this guy's coming. This, Danny Segura thinks his long term upside is top five. He didn't say inevitable, but long term. I, I, you know, Danny's judgment about these things is usually pretty correct. I, I, I like Claudio here. I think he's probably going to get it done. But, wow. but, but Hooker, Hooker has achieved much higher heights than anything Claudio has. So Hooker's just got to tone it down a little, find the balance, and this is going to be an interesting fight. But the fight before it, Luke, I think this is going to end up being your ESPN prelim featured main the Brad event. Riddell fight? Dude, this Brad Riddell versus Hinato Moicano fight. This uh, even with, even with Chandler Poirier on this fight card, I'm like, before we would declare that fight of the night, fight of the year, best fight of this crazy lightweight era. Let's find out what happens first between Brad Riddell and Hainano Moicano because look, they are both threats who are willing to let it go to find out what happens. Plus 100 Riddell, the CKB product, your betting underdog. Minus 120, Hainato Moicano, who, what, on short notice against uh, RDA, just was willing to risk. The, I mean, he was— He risked it for the biscuit, no doubt about it. So you never know the receipt from that, but it also shows his willingness in this second half of his career to really maximize his potential here. How quick before this is just a beautiful war? I mean, just something. Not long, yeah. and it's because Moicano will make it one. Moicano has very good striking skills, but he doesn't have the kickboxing pedigree that Brad Riddell has. Like yeah. by definition, he doesn't have that. But Moicano has very good striking. Now he, you know, against featherweights, I think he got beaten to the punch quite literally by Korean Zombie and some other ones. At 155, I think his speed's a little bit better suited. He's got good. Even at 145, he was lengthy. He's still lengthy at 155 pounds. But the submission threat from him, the ability to chain attacks together through different phases of the game, I think is something that a guy like him can't do. And like you know, the reality is Drew Dober kind of boxed up a little bit of Brad Riddell. You wonder if, if Drew Dober can do that. Why couldn't Hanato Moicano, who's also a much more dynamic submission threat? This is a hell of a fight, though. Brad Riddell can fucking thump. He's, Does it come down to Riddell's boxing? Because if he gets into a I, war, he's no, got no, a no. guy that's It so comes dangerous. down to Brad Riddell's defense. Okay. What's gotten him in trouble is guys have been able to either time him or figure out some kind of opening. And because it's, you know, it's MMA striking, it's not kickboxing, it's a different set of concerns that they have. Moicano can be a dual threat in that way, and that could open up all kinds of possibilities. I don't think Brad Riddell can outgrapple Hanato Moicano. I mean, if he's hurt or whatever, yeah, you could. But, like, you know, two fresh guys, I don't think he could do it. But uh, I do think Moicano can out-wrestle and out-grapple him. And so I do think they're going to get striking on the feet. I do think if you're Moicano, it's incumbent upon you to mix it up. If you're Brad Riddell, it's incumbent upon you to be very defensively sound, good movement, sticking with the jab, good inside low kick, really disrupting the rhythm, disrupting the base of Would Moicano. you advise Riddell to spend more time with Volkanovski just, uh, you know? He's a striking coach. Just shadow. Brad Riddell serves as— Every a, thought and movement. Brad Riddell serves as a striking coach for Volkanovski. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, like, would you, you know, watch the CKB reality show to really understand the ins and outs, the relationship? Motherfucker, I would produce it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You with my pants off. All right. Uh, no, in this case, dude, I'm, I think Morcano's going to get it done. My prediction is uh, a, an all action fight with a finish. That's my prediction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's a guarantee, it seems like. Yes. Uh, I love this light heavyweight fight that nobody's talking about, and that's Dominic Reyes. He's back. Minus 205, a betting favorite here, despite all the questions coming off of that three fight losing skid, the long layoff due to injury, and now. The switching of camps to Team Glover Teixeira, uh, access to Pineda, 
to Wellington Terman there in Connecticut to Chuck Mindenhall if he so desires after hours. But Ryan Spann at plus 175 can thump. So, Luke, this is either the perfect sort of, you know, decently high-quality fight for for the former title challenger and Reyes, the former future of the division, to come back at age 32, show off <laughs> all the extra wrinkles that he's added to his game in Connecticut, and really overnight re-announce himself as a title contender or – it's a trap and a potential fourth yeah. straight loss because yep. I, as as great as he fought against John Jones, we did not expect to see Reyes broken down, crumbled, and folded like he was obviously against Yuri Prochatska, which is just a different level of danger. But even Luke in the fight against uh, Jan Blahovich for the vacant title, I didn't expect him to get chopped down and, and, and really dominated in the end like that. What do you need to see from Dom Reyes? How, like, how, what are your expectations of how much, how different he's going to approach the striking side to it with the new team, a hot team for Nelly Feliz Senior, the boxing yeah. coach? Like, this team's making noise and coming on. This seems like a great fit for him. But what is going to be the proof in terms of the? Okay. In terms I'm going to answer that. You're going to get mad at me for saying this, but we do have a ton of show. But no, this is what the people actually want, dude. This is what the I know, but that means you're gonna have to cut out some other stuff. Because we well, I mean, I'm not gonna break down Michael Trezano versus Sung Wo Choi no, no, like at any the, kind. There's of, like six more topics. Oh, we do great two-hour shows, I and mean, we pack it. This is headed to two and a half hours at the current rate. Okay, but to answer the question, so are you are you are you always the guy who like C blocks or or like just reminds everybody that things could go really wrong here? So stop having. I'm me. just telling you, you're on a pace now that there's no way this is a two-hour show. This is you're like two, my neighbor is a cop and he they may be on their way. I knew you're gonna get bitter about it, but I'm right. Okay. To answer the question, did you see what Dom Reyes told the media this week? He told them that there's been many great things to training with Glover Teixeira and the, and the Connecticut super friends. But the biggest thing he's been working on, which I also think is right, was his defense. He says he has been cleaning up his defense and his defensive problems like crazy on this one, which in, in particular is going to be in the stand-up department, right? I think that's exactly right. We knew he had good offense, good movement, trap setting, good angles. Um, you know, and obviously he's a good athlete. He can wrestle at times when he needs to. I think he also got his face broken his last fight. He did. He did. It was, I mean, that's that, it was a tough loss. He's had a couple of tough fucking losses, you know, uh, no doubt about it. But I think getting with a new camp and really working on protecting yourself while still finding a place for offense is exactly what a guy like him should have been doing. Yeah. So I have high hopes for him in this one. I really do. I think he can. I think it, and listen, what we can make a huge leap, a huge leap forward. Totally agree. And also just like a confidence boosting one. Like we don't talk about this enough. When we are on, on a run like this for Dominic Reyes, you really got to balance like all the negativity you've been dealing with and all the doubt he's been dealing with. He had to move across the country. He had to go to a new part of the new teammates. Everything was new to go fix all these problems, but you don't know if it's actually going to work until you get in there. And by the way, Ryan Spann is a limited fighter in certain ways, but is fucking fast and heavy handed as shit. Like he can give you a lot of problems for me. Dominic Reyes, needs to show he's the more well-rounded guy and I want to see proof of this better defensive work on the feet True. so that he can kind of diffuse the bomb of Ryan Spann with the way in which he's managing distance, setting up attacks, making him react with his own feints, that kind of a thing. That's what I want to see from here. This is, I'll say it this way, BC. This is not a fight that a new and improved Dominic Reyes, such as he presents himself, should lose. He okay. should not lose this fight. I have three more questions about this card, but they'll be rapid fire, so we'll be done quick. All right. Can Dominic Reyes dunk with ease at six foot two? Yes. Oh, he's six foot four. He's my height. I met him in person. So easy. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be nice to see. And my other my second question is is Aaron Blanchfield gonna absolutely dominate Molly McCann and kind of put out the fire on this great 
turn for Molly to become a character and a spinning backfist master is old Aaron Blanchfield from New Jersey, not Colorado. You can dead wrong me right now from the pregame preview. Yeah. Is she going to bring the thunder here? Probably. I think she's going to. I think she's going to whoop up on her. Uh, I, I will say though, don't you find it surprising? We talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. Like Molly Meatball is finally getting some like yes. real attention, and then they and they gave her to Aaron fucking Blanchfield. You, is that like when they put Paige Van Zandt so early against Rose? Is it kind of like that? It could, you know what? Let's just find out what we have. That's a great poll. I didn't think of it that way. You might be right, where it's like, okay, we're just going to see what she's got. Because I got, let me tell you, Aaron Blanchfield's going to find the fuck out. Finally, one of my great strawweight heroes, I mentioned earlier, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, a minus 120 betting favorite early yeah. on this early prelim against Silvana Gomez Juarez, plus 100. Is this the final time we see the former title challenger, Carolina, in the cage, or just another time? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. That's a great. Um, no, not the last time. Okay. Not the last time. Well, speaking of this great card on Saturday and the many great partners that we deal with, how about DraftKings? I mean, MMA fans, we've got an unreal match going head-to-head this week when we're talking about Pareda versus Adesanya, middleweight title in the main event. You tune into UFC 281 on Saturday. We know you will. You're going to watch the action unfold. But there's something you could do right now that can make things even more exciting. Today's sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of the UFC, is going to give new customers this great deal we're talking about. All new customers have to do is sign up using our promo code, Morning Combat. One word, right? Morning Combat with a K, of course. Then bet $5 on either Adesanya or Pareda to win, and you will get an additional $200 in free bets. Luke... It's really there's no easier way to get involved on the fun of what is legalized sports gambling and, and have a little bit of fun, throw a little bit of cheddar on there. If you got a feeling for some Adesanya magic again, it's time to put five dollars down and, and get a little little more in your pocket. All kind, you could do a CKB parlay. That's one other thing you wow. could do. You could all you could do. Uh, I don't know, uh, Frankie Edgar and what's another one you could match that. You could do a Frankie Edgar and like. Michael Troizano. If you've just, yeah, you, you know. can do that. There's a lot of different ones you could use. Of course, if you want more action, you can combine multiple bets, like which fighter will win, how long the fight will last, and more in one parlay to give you a shot at even bigger winnings. And for those in a state where mobile sports betting is not yet available, DraftKings Daily Fantasy is giving all MMA fans a chance to win cash this weekend. Uh, and of course, BC, they have to know, DraftKings is safe, secure, yeah. and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. A lot of places don't do that shit. They do. If you want to get started, here's your final instructions. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use our promo code Morning Combat. One word, combat with a K. Morning Combat. One word right there. Put $5 on the main event, either fighter. Get $200 in money to use to make some. Look, if you don't think Chandler's going the distance, like, like you know, come on, do it. Uh, thank you very much. Enjoy responsibly, DraftKings, MKDK. Down, it's down on the D. Meet me on the low. You understand that. Okay, uh, Luke, let's continue to topic number three. This was a big one from a couple days ago. We're finally finding a home for it, but former UFC heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez has been freed on bail. He was granted the second motion filed to allow uh, a one, was it a $1 million bond? Yeah. To get out. So uh, the next court hearing is scheduled for November 21st at 9 a.m. And as conditions of his release from prison, Velasquez will have to pay $1 million cash or bond. He has to submit to home detention with D- GPS monitoring. He can't leave his primary residence outside of allowances by the court. And he has to undergo outpatient treatment for traumatic brain injury and CTE, as well as counseling 
for parents of children who have suffered sexual abuse. Look, this could not be a more tragic situation with- Yeah, hold on, they're gonna ha his uh, house will have a search and seizure performed. He will not be allowed to have any weapons in his house. Must also comply with a protective order to stay 300 yards away from Gularte, the man who is alleged to have molested his child. Yes. His mother and his stepfather. So if you if you forgot what happened, uh, the, the Velasquez family accusing somebody at a daycare of molesting Kane's son. Kane took action into his own hands with a firearm and fired it and it was reckless, Luke. And we, it's one of those situations, it's like, you get it, As, you know, you get it. It's also- uh, Terribly tragic. Great that he's out, that he could be with his family. There's a lot of people saying, how does the law work if the guy that's accused can just roam free as well? I mean, I get it. I get the, the there's, yeah. a gray, there's a lot of gray areas it's, it's, in this. It's, it's very easy to explain. One guy is accused of a crime for which they, he has been, uh, I think he's been arrested and charged is in a separate incident. But the reason why, again, my buddy is a criminal defense attorney. I actually sent him this article when Kane got released. He told me he was surprised. He was like, the guy's lawyer is pretty good. Otherwise, like even with a million dollar bond, they still usually won't do it. I mean, here's what Kane is alleged to have done, right? Getting in a car and chasing this guy and fucking shooting him in a shootout in public, risking, according to the court, risking uh, the health and safety of the entire wider public. Yeah, you're gonna get held in jail for that. You could yeah. say, you could say you're, that he had the, he was morally in the right if you want to say something like that. But if you're the law, you have to look at it as like, this guy clearly endangered the public by doing that. So I am, to your point, I am quite glad he got out. But I, like when the whole thing went down and we got the details, it's like getting out was a bit of a, a minor miracle. And by the way, the trial, the, excuse me, the next court hearing is November 21st. So um, we'll see how long it lasts. But it is a good thing that he got out. It's just, it is somewhat surprising given the what he's facing here. It does seem like everybody is like a, you know, you see the free cane shirts. Like everybody's yeah. pro in the, in the business of like, man, he should be released. I get it. Are there enough people like talking about that he did? you know, take the law into his own hands and, and act. Well, people are just saying recklessly. that if they're more, he's morally justified for doing that, which I understand. Like, and if people also said like, what would you do if it was your kid? I don't it, fucking know, man. Who knows? Like, yeah, who knows? I don't know, but I under, I, I at least can like noodle through when an attorney explains it to you. He's like, dude, look at what the court has to deal with. They're not fans of Cain Velasquez in that way that we are. So what do they have to deal with? They have to deal with a guy who, according to multiple eyewitnesses in the police testimony, got in a car, chased other people, and had a fucking shootout in public trying to murder someone. Yeah, they're gonna put you in jail for that. They're gonna put you in jail for that versus allegations, which I'm sure, you know, I, I'm not here. I, legally speaking, they are allegations that right. this guy molested his kid. Um, I can understand why, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, putting both of them in there. But I guess the other issue is, that there could be a potential like uh, prison or jail overcrowding so that they only do this under certain circumstances um, for like violent offenders versus nonviolent offenders, which you would be like, well, isn't that a violent offense, but not in the way that the law interprets it. The law is fucking crazy. Yeah. The law is crazy. It just, I will say this, it is a surprise. It's a pleasant surprise, but let's also, if you're an MMA fan, I do think you need to be realistic about this. He's probably going to serve time. You know, that's what every lawyer I've spoken to about this has said. Like, it's possible that the jury could get, you know, there's two guys on there feel like Kane acted righteously. But, dude, if you chase someone down in your car and you fucking shoot at them in public, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. You're going to go to jail for that. Like, yeah. It's not black and white though. There's a lot of gray here. Dude, it's a ton of gray. Like you do, again, if it had happened to one of your kids or my daughter, like what the know. fuck would I do? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. fucking know. I don't know. And I would I understand I understand that anger completely. Absolutely. Completely. A couple more quick topics based on the news cycle here. Topic four. Algermain Sterling has a solution, it seems, that he shared on Twitter for the fact that he wants to take the first half of twenty twenty three off in a very competitive division. We've talked about the idea of do you float an interim title and let Sean O'Malley fight a number of people for it. Here's Aljo's idea. 
Instead, he wants to coach the ultimate fighter opposite Sean O'Malley mm. and said in his tweet, it would do great TV ratings. He put at Dana White, at Sean Shelby, at Mick Maynard. I think we've got Aljo quote tweeting. Uh, do you know this guy, Luke, who tweeted out? Marcus Dewan Williams. He, he's at every UFC card. He's a big super fan. This guy's an expert pick, picks guy. Expert. He's good at him. Expert. He, they Sometimes they have him on the ESPN betting podcast as well. Shout out to Marcus Williams. Uh, big fan of that guy. But Aljo quote tweeted, said, not a bad idea at all. Mm. Would that be a good idea for you? I wouldn't watch no matter what. All right. All right. Much like my family in Morning Combat, I just wouldn't watch. But you wouldn't need an interim title if you made them coaches, right? Because that's suddenly like You wouldn't content. need an interim title, no. Yeah, it's, that's content. And it would elevate O'Malley. And that's not a bad idea. It does F Henry over. Then would the UFC be like, sorry, Henry, we're going to need you to fight like Jan first, or we're going to need you to fight Sandy. Marab or yeah. something. You know, yeah, Sandy. dude, giving Cejudo to Marab when he comes back, it's like the least, that'd be like the worst possible way to come back, you know? Yeah, well, that's not the only Sean O'Malley news, Luke. Neither is you appearing on his show this week, and I did enjoy that appearance. Luke, you even said my name. Say uh, my name. Say, say my, my name, name. Say my name. Are you really charging your, your vape? Yeah. Put a little more juice in it, bro. Okay, uh, Luke, here's the breaking news on Sean O'Malley. I believe we- Suck my balls about my vape, by the way. Let's go to Sean O'Malley to, to break this news for us. Is there any cons or is there just pros? They're like, well, it could supposedly help with girth, performance. So I'm like, well, it ain't the first time I've had a needle in my wing. Hit me up, doc. It hurt worse than I thought it was going to because they said, oh, that won't hurt that bad. Well, it probably didn't hurt you because you got a boner. We had an option to have a guy do it or a girl do it. I said- I want the hot doctor to do it. And Tim's like, I want the guy. When I get scared, my wing sucks into me. Right. She grabbed mine and it's, I'm, I'm like, it started growing right away. And I'm like, God damn it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, how do you get a boner before you get stabbed? Was, but then the doc, the male came and he's, the male doctor's like, you want me to hold your hand? And my wing went, like, Luke, he got stem cells injected into his prick. Are you okay with this? I said there's some. I love Sean O'Malley as a fighter. I don't fully understand him, though. As a We're kid. very different people. Yeah. yeah. Um, did it, what do you think it felt like? I mean, I got three in the bag that time for that, that thing I had to do. That well, now I'm curious. Would you get stem cells in your, in your hog? No. Are you going to get a hog tattoo as well to match no. your ass cheeks? I mean, no, what kind no. of weirdo are you? No. Yeah, I don't know. I've never, ever contemplated shoving needles in my dong. Um, so, Nor did I contemplate talking about shoving needles yeah, in my dong on a Friday morning. That's a great point. All right. Uh, topic five, Luke, is Davison Figueredo. He's your flyweight champion. He's planning to move up in weight. Uh, here, he talked to AG Fight, and he said, I want to show the world I own this weight class, meaning flyweight. But after this next fight, which is, of course, the fourth meeting with Brandon Moreno, I want to test myself at Bantamweight. That's my next step after this fight. I want to fight for the Bantamweight title. A win will qualify me for it even more. I hope the promotion abides. Luke, we've always said Devison Figueredo is more likely than not to be forced to move up because of his many weight struggles and just outgrowing the division. He's, what, 34, going to turn 35? He's an absolute badass. Can he compete in this historically deep Bantamweight division? I'm going to say compete, yes. Can he be a title holder? I have my doubts. All I have right. my doubts. All right, we're going to have to find out. And finally, topic six. Hey, Justin Gaethje revealed something that kind of opens up. Look, UFC <laughs> 274, he lost his lightweight title bid. This wasn't one leg kick away from putting Habib in peril. Charles Oliveira took it to him, although Gaethje did land a big shot early. But Justin Gaethje has now revealed that he suffered a bike accident 18 days before that fight in May, and he said he smashed his head on the pavement, had vision issues, and had road rash. This is per New York Media Day. 
Luke, does this explain to any degree? Because I remember, look, I had Gaethje the top 10 pound for pound, even though he wasn't a champion. I, I thought this was going to be his moment. And once again, Charles Oliveira proved me wrong and continued that path he was on. But does this in some form, it obviously shows the willingness, the toughness, the craziness of Gaethje, but he got seemingly dropped on pavement on his head and and had some issues from this and fought 18 days later. That's not the best case scenario. Yeah, that's real bad. Yeah. Like that would absolutely compromise you and your ability to take damage. I mean, I don't know. Is it the same as getting knocked out? I don't know. Also, like when he says bike, did he mean like pedal bike or did know. he mean vroom, vroom bike? I don't know bike? if he had a helmet. I don't know the situation. But yeah, there's no, dude, like asking, did that compromise him heading into this fight? I I don't have a doubt that it did. And he still did it anyway. Granted, maybe, may, listen, maybe Oliveira wins no matter what. I don't know. But he fucking ran through Gaethje. You remember that? He It, it disappointed me how, how much Easily. Gaethje just got handled. And that was bad too because that was the fight you were like, okay, if he's going to get back to the title, it's through this. So does he ever fight for a UFC title again? It's not impossible. No, but- not no, not impossible, but unlikely, unlikely. All right, we'll see what happens. You can see why these NFL teams put these clauses like no fucking four-wheeling in your contract to prevent these guys from being goofballs outside of football season because it'll fuck your shit up. All right, our next segment is going to be an interesting one. Normally, we do DMs from Donks on Monday. We solicit your questions through Instagram. We decided kind of last minute yesterday to have some fun with this Friday show in studio. So here's what BC unscientifically did. Look through my DMs on Twitter and Instagram. Just randomly, 20, 25 people shot the same message, said, we want to do this tomorrow. Send us your funny video. Ask a question. Sell yourself. Whatever you want to do. Luke, we had our great producer, Mikey, narrow it down to the seven best. So thank you very much to everybody for sending it in. There was a caveat from Mikey Morms. He said, I'm not sure all of our jobs will, will ultimately survive this segment. Okay. He was a little nervous here. Are you, do you have any fear entering this? Because the people, we love them, but we know they're weird. We know that. Yeah, they're fucking weird, and I'm re- my body is ready. Okay. I'm ready for the dick injections. I'm ready, baby. Yeah, let's do this. We're going to start off with Jack. I, don't, I have not watched these. Uh, yeah, we've got male viewers. Thank you very much. We've got DMs from Donks. Hee-haw. Oh, this is Jack from, uh, he's from my parts of Connecticut. Let's hear from him. Let's all do right. this. Happy Friday, Luke and BC. This is Jack Horvath, a fellow subject of Brian's Connecticut Kingdom. My question comes after seeing the video of Jake Paul and Andrew Tate facing off. If you two could both pick two fighters or non-fighters to be in a press conference together, who would those two be? I'd be curious to know. Anyways, love the content, guys. Keep it up. You're doing great work. And MK all day. Thanks. I think that's Avon Connecticut's own Jack Horvath. Or maybe Canton, Connecticut, but shout out to that guy. Just Connecticut's not a place. Luke, Jack's question is, did you see that video that Jake Paul put out of him and Andrew Tate facing off with Nikisa Badarian between them? Was that supposed to check the temperature of people's interest in a fight? That's a controversial fight. Yeah, I don't. I hope that's not the one that they make. Okay, but to Jack's question, are there two personalities? Like, we, like look, Conor McGregor has been the greatest builder of must-see press conferences way in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all that shit during the week. Dude, Conor fight weeks are just different. Does Connor have to be the answer? And you can just find Versus like- Versus who? That, that's the question Jack had. You know, it could be anything. It could be, you know, it could be Nate a third time. It could be, imagine Connor against Mike Perry. Imagine that build. I mean, what are two fighters that just from a press conference trash talk ridiculousness standpoint- Active? Yes. That if you could make it, whether it's under boxing or BKFC or UFC, whatever, but just to get that build. Like what about Connor versus like Danny Sabatello? Different weight classes, like not yeah, even close, but that's interesting. You get a, you get you get some, or or you know what? I, I kinda, this doesn't always work because Nate 
and Jorge was not a good mix for that. Not a good. What about Hamzat and uh, Colby? Could be wild. If Colby's doing well, his shtick, because he's be. gonna he's gonna say some crazy, like I feel like anti-Islamic things. I don't know about that, but he could. Would Jake versus Connor, <laughs> which, is, which is really becoming more and more unlikely, given the fact that Jake Paul is like getting decent at boxing and he's pretty damn big compared to Connor, right? Yeah, Although Connor's two sixty five now, so what yeah. am I talking about? Would that build be incredible or would it? Be, uh, I think painful. it'd be I think it'd be cringe and painful, but it would do big numbers. Okay, you don't have it like Jake Paul Floyd. Jake Paul keeps floating that every once in a while. Like, what about yeah? My Floyd? level of interest in that is zero. Yeah, zero. Thank zero. you very much. All right, let's go to our second video. This is from Yorick. Yorick. Oh, look at this dirtbag. <laughs> What's up, guys? I have two quick questions for you, Luke. I've heard you say you were interested in David Hume before. What is it about him that interests you specifically? And also, do you think it's possible to divorce philosophers' views from any problematic views that they might have and still save their theories? And BC, I'll be your Huckabee. <laughs> I would not trust that man alone in a room with my children, but I love him, Luke. I love Yorick. Thank you for sending that in. Luke, uh, David Hume, philosophy, you got any answers to this? Business ethics? Uh, so basically I took a class on, um, on uh, philosophy of science and, you know, David Hume um, did a lot of stuff, including one of the things I really admire him about inductive reasoning. But, you know, he, it's a real, sort of a really simple problem. If you open your door every day, like, uh, for example, like we talk about like sort of metaphysical laws. Talking about like those solicitors that are trying to always put like panels on my roof. Yeah. You know, I don't want their sunshine. I don't want their- like, This is an inductive reasoning per se, but one of the sort of the things he, it sounds quite an obvious thing, but until they laid it out, it, it doesn't, doesn't seem that way. He was talking about the nature of um, not just probability, but existence. Like if you open your day, your door every day and there's never an alligator, um, what is to say that the next time you'll open it, there'll be an alligator, right? Uh, is the alligator in this question a Jehovah's Witness? I'm not. I'm really fully. The point getting... being is, or even that the sun, the sun comes up every morning, okay, right? Okay. But what is what is the proof that the sun will come up tomorrow? How do you actually know that? And okay. the argument would be, well, it's come up every day since. Or that actually, or that actually tells be... you that actually tells you nothing about it. Whether it will come up tomorrow. So you have to have belief. And something or someone that it would come up. Well, you would say, you would point to whether there are various reasons about the way that which we understand the universe functions, but those are all conditional as well. All of it is conditional. We actually don't, we don't, we don't actually know if the sun will come up. You think George Michael was right? You know, you got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Ah. No, didn't he do? And the sun going down on me. Well, that's Elton, but yeah, he's saying. Well, didn't George, wasn't Elton and George in that? Wait, going, going down on me. You making a bathhouse reference or no? Hold my hand. Why, why, why is physical touch such a big thing for you? Because, like what, because it turns you into the most antisocial I mean, piece I, of shit I mean, I enjoy physical touch with my wife, my kids, my animals. And Those, that's and my real partner. All right. Yes. But, I, but like, <laughs> I just, God, your hands are sweaty. Yeah, I know. I don't, You're I fucking don't. gross. <sighs> All right. Hey, we got one from David A. Is this going to be Appy? Yes, it is. David Appleton from France. This could get interesting. Hi guys, David Appleton here. Still hate now listen, Thatcher. <laughs> I'm not happy. You've been bigging yourselves up. You've been claiming to be washed dads. Now I believe you can't get anywhere near me in terms of washed dad status. So I need receipts. Status. My question is, how washed are you? I want you to give me the most disgusting washed dad thing you do regularly. Regularly at least once a week. And it has to be washed. 
Anyway, guys, it's a serious question. How washed are you? I've got to go as France's most celebrated teacher. I've got to get back and do some research for my next lessons. Um, that's in the right place. Um, so until next time, may all your four-minute videos for predatory loans be loyal. Seven words. We out. <laughs> Just so people are aware, they actually had to edit out a really disgusting part of that video. That's not a surprise. Yeah. From the great Appy, uh, ha ha the, the French Harvey himself. Wow. Um, Luke, he said, you know, something gross you do once a week. Shower once a week when I'm working yeah, at home. Yeah, I don't shower very regularly. You know, also, yeah. I've taught my daughter to audibly fart. Okay. I mean, I've got a And rule. I'll do that in public now. I'll just audibly fart in public. You subscribe to my 24-hour rule. Every pair of underwear gets 24 hours unless you've sweat. Unless you've noticeably worked oh, out. Dude, I've, bro, there's been times where I've gone a couple days without showering and then pulled the underwear band down to, like, go shower. And it's like a fucking, someone opened an ancient Egyptian tomb from 2,500 years ago. Just absolute bacteria up in my nostrils. Um... We're still, we're pretty washed. I mean, I work from home. I'm washed. I'm washed as shit. I'm married. I'm, I'm so pathetic. Washed. I dress like an absolute piece of shit. Nobody. I look like oh, nobody. Dude, I, that's why I'm always like, I hope there's no local donks that run into me. You're, if you run into me at, you know, Stop and Shop, you're going to see me in in bright orange slides with socks underneath and sweatpants because that's. Yeah, I saw know. a dude at CVS the other day. I was leaving. My wife and I were leaving CVS and he was walking in. He's like, hey, Luke Thomas. And I was like, meh. I just fucking <laughs> kept going. So sorry. Sorry about that, dude. Yeah. People are like, wow, you guys are just. You know, you're so real. No, normally in public. We're, no, no normally in public. No, no, normally in public. We, my wife and I, we had, we had to. We were having a bit of an issue, so we had to get the fuck out of there. But uh, marital. Yeah, whatever. The point. We're fine. Everything's fine. She's coming up today. It's gonna be great. Right. But I'm just saying, we had to get the fuck out of there. And this guy was like, "Hey, Luke Thomas." And I was like, "Man, what's up?" Fucking just kept moving. Didn't even say hi. Sorry. Sorry about that, dude. Yeah, Appy, we're pretty gross. Well, we had to cut out from Appy's video. My daughter, gross, my right? daughter now audibly farts, and then we'll go Cochina, which means like, like gross, dirty. Can I teach her? Can Uncle Gringo teach her the armpit fart? Yes, please. That'd be awesome. Actually. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's a little washed as well. Okay. Let's go to Gregory. I think this is that bearded ex-military guy. Yes. Let's. Oh. Oh, look at this Love this guy. Yes. Luke in BC, what's up? This guy's shadow truck stop desk. in Wyoming. Just got to say, guys, I appreciate all the content. Fills all my hours of driving every day. Uh, BC, you are... You're washed. You're the most disgusting CEO ever, but we love you. Luke, uh, it's the Marine Corps' birthday today. So let's hear about a story... Uh, a drinking story, in fact. Let's hear about the wildest drinking story you had in the Marines. Also, go Army. Fuck the Marines. <laughs> so, so he's a truck driver, and he like, he enjoyed our Wednesday contact. Because, you know, we put out about 18 hours of content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was just driving Oh, this is the dude who drove all night. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Mm -hmm. He messaged me about it. He probably knows a lot about trucker speed. Jesus, my best drinking story from the Marine Corps? God, they were awful. Uh, we always got in fucking fights, man. Um, what is what was it? The birthday of the Marines the other day, yesterday. So, so November 10, 1775 is the birthday of the Marine Corps. And who's the father of the who's the George Washington of the Marines? Who started it? Uh, there's no single person you would. There's no identify. Brigham Young that you guys. No, not quite like that. Uh, today is Veterans Day, though. Today is Veterans Day. So for all veterans out there, uh, thank you for your service. Yes. We, I appreciate you, even if he, this fucking no, nasty civilian look, some pig. gave all, okay? Pat Tillman, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, we saw that statue outside. He wouldn't really be a veteran. He would be more. What would he be? He served. 
He gave all. Right, but he's not alive. So I, that, the statue we saw in Phoenix. So you would celebrate Pat Tillman on Memorial Day. Oh, then what's veterans about people that are still active? Yeah, people who are still walking the earth. So if we're talking about like Tim Kennedy. Yeah, veteran. Thank him. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, crazy drinking story for the Marine Corps. Dude, we always got in fights. I fucking hated it. Um, uh, God, we got thrown out of this place after a fucking group fight in Palm yeah. Springs, California once. Oh, you know, it was the same weekend as uh, Woodstock 99. Oh, God. I we uh, we rented a hotel the- room and we filled up the tub with beer. And there was like, I don't know, it must have been 20 of us. You didn't come across any trains or anything, right? That's just, you know. You mean like like choo-choo trains? No. Yeah, I, had, I, I didn't do any of those no, in the Marine Corps because no, I'm not, I'm not Cochino. No. This is always gets me. And people are always like, you know, the troops are, are models of uh, morality and civility in our they culture. Keep, I'm like, no, the fuck they are they not. They keep the sex trade funded, don't they? Oh, God. dude. And, and the other part, too, was like Marines would always go down to Tijuana and just, I mean, whore it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really have any great yeah. drinking stories in the Marine Corps because it would they, they all ended in disaster. Um, yeah, there's nothing good to share, Gregory, but he's a big Army guy. Fuck Army. I mean, this fuck is Army. like brothers in the same family trying to argue that they have no, a better— No, this is you know, little brother trying to take a shot at big brother. That's what this is. Make no mistake about is it. Is there such a thing as ex-Army? They're all civilian pieces of shit to me. So Wow. Okay, the number five is from Callum. Maybe this is a Brit. Let's see what this guy's got. Oh, look at this fucking criminal. <laughs> hey, morning, combat crew. It's Callum here from London. Uh, this is a question to both BC and Luke. Luke, I'll start with you. Even though you are a washed-up salt-and-pepper bitch, Chuck Mindenhall <laughs> once referred to you as a polymath. Now, I'm curious to know, is there an academic field or topic that you have yet to really hone in on but are interested in doing so? And if so, what is that? And then to BC. BC, I think we have very similar music tastes, mainly 60s and 70s rock. Yes. Now, I even noticed you had a Joni Mitchell album cover behind you the other day. Are you a fan of Neil Young? And if so, uh, what are your opinions on him and his discography and artistry as a whole? And then to both of you... (laughs) Thanks, guys. Uh, All the best, motherfuckers. I think I caught a Ioana and Brett in that, Ram. I think I did. I think I caught sex tape in that. Yeah, uh, wow. All right. Uh, Luke, would you like to begin there with this question? Topics that are outside of, like, combat sports? Or? Yeah, like, what, What? I guess he's saying, like, what, you know, personal research you can do on an educational topic that you haven't gotten to yet, but you're, you you have a passion for that? Um, you know, I read a lot of stuff on drugs and drug use. That's been, like, a big thing the last 10 years. Drugs win drug war. Yeah, the drugs the drugs won the drug war. It turns out, yeah. Not Nancy. No, no, not Nancy Reagan. She lost that one pretty badly. Um, I've been reading books on energy policy recently. I read a book on Russia's future by 2050 and how climate change is going to change their geopolitical stature. Um, uh, yeah, those are all the. Oh, you know what book I'm, I wanted to read? So, okay, you mentioned like who's the father of the Marine Corps? It doesn't really work yeah. that way. But the like the our our founding hero for the state or for the country anyway, would be George Washington. I once I asked my wife, like, who's the George Washington of South America? Because I grew up not knowing shit about those politics. And the answer is Simon Bolivar, uh, Simon Bolivar. And if you look at uh, Venezuela and Ecuador and Colombia, their flags all have the exact same colors, but like different ways they arrange it because those are all Bolivarian states. I actually had just bought, I just bought a uh, biography of uh, Simon Bolivar, and I wanted to read how he became this like conqueror of uh, South America and how it led to the various states, the Bolivarian states that were created therein. Interesting. That's way beyond my, you know, 
I'm more of a Does, do these things not like not this particular like do, what's the last book you read that was uh, not so much for joy but for like real good information? Well, I read a lot. I read a lot of autobiographies for inspiration. So I'm, I've always been into that, and that of course plays into like I'll read combat ones. You know, I was going to read Ben Askren's one. Chuck gave me a copy. You know, uh, but um, I read. You know, I'm big on John Wooden's teachings. I'm a big on like self help type books. You know, I read a lot of uh, so bullshit. In other words, no, 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 no. They they help. You know, a lot of lot of uh, Most, Christian self help. Uh, yeah, a lot exactly. On. Bullshit. But ninety nine percent of self help is just trash. Really? Tra yeah, it's trash. Or, or it helps you, you know, look back into your own life and the hurt. No, they're you selling might, you a book. You they're not selling carrying. help. No, they're selling you help. They're Most of the time, they're not. We Most all have the same time. tools. We just don't always use them. They help you sort of hone in on how you should Dude, be maybe the, here's, changing here's what the I mean. rewiring. I'm not saying self-help doesn't exist. <clears throat> what I'm saying is the self-help publishing industry is like the crypto industry. It's full of scammers and thieves and grifters. You have to be very careful about what actually oh, is good. Oh, for sure. And yeah, there's a lot good. of trash, but yeah, you, okay. you, you got to be well-researched to figure out what you're looking for. But I also I read a lot of in-depth sport, like sports books that capture a whole season. Like I love unfinished yeah, see, business. Yeah, when I read, I don't want to read Celtics. sports books. I want to read something. The best book I ever read might be that that uh, that Vince Lombardi uh, massive biography. I forgot the name of it. When it when it when it all still mattered or something like that. I mean, it just it's just so in depth. It's ridiculous. I'm almost so done well with uh, drug use for grownups by Dr. Carl Hart over at Columbia University. That yeah, one we, we have different brains and diff we we crave we crave after different things. Most of my time is spent listening to records and researching that. So to answer Callum's question about Neil Young, I respect his output and material so much that I didn't want to do it half-assed. Kind of like when I got, when I finally bit the bullet on the Grateful Dead, I was like, I'm going to need two to three years to legitimately listen to every concert I can get access to to really know it. I'm just starting that vinyl-wise with Neil while I had Harvest and everybody knows this is nowhere, you know, back in the CD days. I've recently added those on vinyl along with After the Gold Rush, Time Fades Away. I think On the Beach might be my favorite favorite of the Neil's Prime 70 run up to this point. Um, I've always loved Zuma, of course, the Long May You Run album with Stephen Stills, but I'm yet to full, and of course I can move on from there to Comes a Time and so much more. I want to give it the right time. I want to do it right. Um, Neil is so diverse and changed genre so many times, even times when it didn't really make a lot of sense in his own creative direction. And he maybe spent too much time fighting his record labels, which is why he's got some of these weird outputs, Callum. But uh, On the Beach is about as good as it gets in the 1970s. And I don't think... Neil's out of the discussion for like the best of the 70s. I think from a macro point of view, classic rock radio taught us that essentially Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones owned the 70s, but the deeper I'm in there, I'm like, nah, man, you know, maybe Joni did, or maybe, yeah, I mean, there's so many, you know, there's so many, but I think Neil Young's in that discussion as well. But uh, Luke, that's, that's that for Callum. Let's move on to our next fan video here. I mean, I like this, Luke. I like to hear from the people. I don't know if you do. God. This is Gabriel. Dude, none of these guys look normal. Jesus Christ. The dub two piece of shit. <laughs> What's up, combat corner guys? The name's Gabriel Storm from Virginia. Ooh, where? That's right, he looks Storm. High. Um, <clears throat> so, my question is if you could choose the location and three people living to do psychedelics with, where would the location be and who would the three people be? Keep up the good work, guys. <laughs> That guy's so high, Luke. Was he checking in with his parole officer? I mean, 
<laughs> Hopefully his lady was holding the camera and he was like, I her. You know, he had the shirt open. Uh, Luke, the location for me, if I'm gonna do this, if I'm gonna lick the toad with Rashad, it's gonna be Joshua Tree National Park. Okay. Cause that's what my heroes like Graham Parsons used to do. Yeah. Until they died of drug use. Um, so Luke, um, who are the three living people you, I'm gonna name Rashad as one of Rashad Evans is okay. gonna be my uh, three living people. active shaman with us. Can we turn down Mike Tyson? Could you turn that down? No, Rashad Evans. Yes. Mike Tyson. Yes. Joanna. No, fuck no. I mean, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Sofia Vergara. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're right, Cheyenne Felismus. All right, you know, there you go, there you go. No, I don't um, know who the third person would be. That's a weird one. Who is a great hang in, in greater combat oh, sports? Oh, Aaron Bronstetter. No, he might freak no, out. He might, yeah. I mean, who's, good, who's who in MMA media like you can look at like they're good at doing. Sean drugs. O'Shaughty led me to believe through his constant pandering that he was once a brick no. athlete and stud that he's probably a, a good hang. No, 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 Danny Segura, Danny Segura. Oh, he, he can does do have the international yeah, yeah, yeah. man of mystery vibe where I feel like he could swim in that. I'm telling you, bro, pool. Danny gets busy when it's time to party. So I, I would do those three. So we have Rashad, Mike Tyson, but I would not and Danny do them. Segura. But I would not do them in the desert. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I want to be where I'm comfy. You know, I do that shit in the fucking Shenandoah Valley, motherfucker. How about that? Wow. Shenandoah. What you know about that? Blue Ridge Mountains suck a dick. In the springtime? Fall? Yeah, like nice time of weather. Autumn. Are we going to sleep outside in like a lean-to on way, the trail? Only way to, I will say this about the desert. This is true, man. So I, there was like three summers in a row where I had to go to 29 Palms, which is in the Mojave Desert. If you've never done it, it's the most, ma I truly, I mean this, it's <clears> the most magical experience. For whatever reason, the sky is much clearer at night and you can see the stars. And if you've, if you've been like, oh, I've seen the stars and wherever I live at night, it looks cool. No, you gotta do it in the right places on earth and in the Mojave Desert. It is, dude, you can see everything so bright. It's so beautiful. It's one of the most spectacular free things I've ever got a chance to witness. The nighttime. I want to do that so bad. Yeah. I've always been in love with the desert-based national parks from a distance and research. Have you been to Joshua Tree? I've still never been to Death Valley oh, or Josh. I've never been to any uh, California national park. I want to go. I want to go to Channel Islands. I want to go everywhere. I want to go to Big Bear Lake. Dude, I want to Have you never seen the giant redwoods? And Not yet. Oh, dude. Not you're missing yet. out on I want to. American treasure. Dude, I didn't go to California for the first time until UFC. C199, that was 2016. No shit. Yeah, I didn't go to Vegas for the first time until we went to Canelo Mayweather in 2013, you know? Wow, dude, you are sheltered. I'm an East Coast guy, okay? Well, if I could do, well, I mean, if I could really pick anywhere, I would pick somewhere in Spain, like the Canary Islands or some shit. But. Yeah, Madrid, where you've, your fan, where your longtime fandom was birthed in one minute for Real. Do you think you can challenge my love? Danny Segurha can. No, he can't. He can't do shit. You know what he can do? He can suffer as my team beats the fuck out of his. That's what he can do. Would you tell him he can S a D on air? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. I got your back, Danny. Danny is in, you know, he's in a head-to-head -head race with Brett Okamoto right now, you know, under my... He's got that youth angle. Yeah. Got yeah. that youth angle. You know, I, I've been trying, you know, we, you know, spoiler alert, I did ask um, Lorisenko about that debate that Ioana once put out there. Yeah, the you awkwardly asked about it, yes. I didn't get the response I was looking for. No, you didn't. More to come on that. Our final video, and again, thank you to everybody who These on short notice. Way, this is an automatic hit. I love this segment. We should do this again. And, and look, it was random who I reached out to you. Some of you said you couldn't do it. Some of you sent it in. But Mikey, so let's tell them, morningcombat at gmail.com. Send them in. Send them, send them in. Them Maybe in. this becomes a thing that we do, okay? 60 seconds or less. I said 90 if you've got a good bit. If you've okay. got a good bit going. As a general rule, 60 seconds or less. But if it's more than 90, you're done. You're off the team, yes. okay? And if it's weird, like like Appy with like smelling his fingers after touching his ass. He, well, he's come a on. disgusting laugh. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. All right, let's transition here, Luke. We got a little bit more to close the show. And uh, a reminder, 281, of course, UFC is this weekend. 
And there's a lot of potential on these undercards for somebody to rise up and enter the conversation for hashtag hammer of the month, or maybe if you like it, hashtag holy hammer. It's brought to you by our great friends at Money Lion, uh, the only money app that you'll ever need. I mean, you wanna start moneying the right way? Get with Money Lion. Look, they're working on a new brand new segment with us in which at the end of each month, after taking solicitations and requests from the audience, after our, our, our you know staff looking up and down, we've, we've identified people like Pollyanna Viana last week on the UFC undercard. You mentioned Paul Hughes from Cage Warriors mm -hmm. making big moves. We should be watching closely this weekend for somebody else to enter the conversation. People go, okay, what, does that matter? What do they get? Well, how about this? How about we introduce this into the, into the larger picture? This, put the camera on that motherfuckers. Right there, here. Yeah, look at that bad boy. Hashtag huh? holy hammer. We're gonna send this to someone. That's a true thing we're gonna do. And you're like, Luke, that's goofy as shit. Yes. And cool. Yes, it is. And really cool. It okay? is. It's heavy. Goofy as shit. Sometimes, sometimes you're the nail, but you know, once a month, we're gonna find out who's the hammer, who's deserving of putting this on their mantle. Okay, so here's what you gotta do, right? Ready? Each Monday, we're gonna highlight our nominees on the show and pick one winner at the end of every month to reward with this epic hammer trophy that they can show off to their friends. When you're watching the fights over the weekend, let us know which fighters deserve this sweet award. Hop onto your go-to social media platform uh, and here's how you're gonna do it. Nominate someone by tagging MoneyLion on Twitter, at MoneyLion, or at Inc. on IG, and then use the hashtag Hammer of the Month. BC, where else can they go for information? Um, they can... One more time, it's got Morning Combat on one side. Morning Combat. And so as you're watching the fights, somebody jumps out to you, at MoneyLion on Twitter, at Inc. on Instagram, hashtag Hammer of the Month, hashtag Holy Hammer, let your voice be heard. Moneyline.com slash morning combat for more information. Uh, big fan of our partners. You use that QR code if you need to. Let's do that, Luke. We close every Friday by giving you our email address, morningcombat at gmail.com. Yeah, sometimes you send in fan subs on Wednesday. You just send in some weird videos overnight, and we enjoyed them. But when we stare into a camera for upwards of 12 hours per week and just utter some absolute bullshit, Sometimes we get called to action for that. We get put on trial. We get subpoenaed by our fans who come here with receipts to prove once and for all that we was dead wrong, bitch. All right, we got four violations here. Let's start from Mike Owens. Hey, Liverpool's Mike Owens, dude. Mike Owens Media. He had me on his podcast to, to preview 281. Great kid. Love that guy, man. He does big-time interviews. I think he's yeah. working with Low Kick MMA now. Hustles. Yeah, Hustles. a great personality. But very good interviewer. He's a scouser, Luke, okay? He's from, he's a Liverpoolian, yeah. all right? He says, hey, Donks, on episode 372 at the 131.42 mark, BC says, do you remember the head kick from Uriah Hall on Corey Anderson when I was reliving the greatest knockouts in UFC at MSG history? Yeah, this is dead wrong. It was OSP who KO'd <coughs> Anderson with a head kick. I know this as BC and I talked about it in our interview less than a week ago. My interview with Mike Owens kind of like got me so fired up for 281 that I was like, a lot of those discussions should be segments in our show, you know? So thank you, Mike Owens, for planting those seeds. Um, he's got a video receipt attached. Maybe lay off the Delta 8s for a while, BC, your scouser friend. I don't know if we have that video, but yeah, Mike, I'll, I'll straddle that fence. I'll take that L. 
Thank you. We don't have the video. All right, let's move on to Baker. He says, hey, LT and BC. Love the show, but on Monday's episode when discussing Neil Magny's impressive MMA run before Luke anointed him as a future Hall of Famer. Luke which, ran which down- I never fucking did. Luke ran down some names on his resume and claimed he'd fought the stun gun. Luke, you're dead wrong. Magny never fought Dong Hyung Kim, AKA the stun gun. In fact, he fought- I bet you that was when I read the wrong resume and then corrected myself on air. He fought and the this dead wrong is bullshit. Hyun Gu Lim. Maybe oh, I may have got, got maybe Luke skipped the daily dose of AG1 and wasn't thinking clearly. I need that sunbeam from Get First Person. Yes, exactly. All right, this is from uh, Paul or Marcus. I can't figure it out. BC's interview with Carla Esparza. He stated that Esparza finished Marina Rodriguez. Yes, I was dead wrong. Uh, in reality, she won by a split decision. It should have been um, Jan Shanan I was mentioning. Did BC get hit in the head with the holy hammer this week? Or is he just making a Lithuanian exit from the show through incompetence? Wow. All the best. Wow. Keep up the good. Mikey, who, who sent this? There's like four names here. The Crane, Alexander, Paul. Which guy was it? John Paul, Georgia, Ringo. Which one here? Finally, uh, this is, um, again, Spencer. Martin. We need one name. One name here. I don't know who sent it. Spencer, maybe? All I need is one Mike. On Monday's show, BC says Nate Manis was 3-0 at Bantamweight before moving down to flyweight to face to gear Ulen Bekov, but this is dead wrong as shit because Manis was three and one at Bantamweight, dropping his last fight in a dominant decision loss to Umar Nurmagomedov. Looks like the BBC with the BDE got a layoff the THC. And he's got that CTE. <laughs> There's your dead wrongs. Hey, morningcombat at gmail.com, your one-stop shop to send <laughs> us fan subs. Maybe these DM from Dong. Do you think this DM from Dong video thing is going to be a thing? Well, they got to send them in. But if if, if the next crop is anything like the one today, it's a fucking winner. It's a winner. We're going to do it again. All right. There you have it. Speaking so, of winners. Hashtag hammer of the month. Fuck me. Hashtag holy freaking hammer. Holy freaking hammer. Going to be a few nails laying around this weekend after we do damage with this, Luke. You got nailed, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Morning Combat's been hitting you hard this week. Shout out to everybody going to youtube.com slash Morning Combat. Shout out to everybody listening to the audio only on your ride home from work. But this is in some ways just the friggin' beginning. Saturday, first of all, we got a special guest in the morning here on the Room Service Diaries we do. couch. Yep. We just banked the Laura Senko interview, so check out that in the near future. <clears throat> but the UFC 281 pay-per-view is going to go down tomorrow night. Pay-per-view card only, five fights. We will be with you live companion podcast on the At Morning Combat YouTube channel there. Uh, don't miss it. We don't have a barber this time. Dion was busy, but uh, we, you know, we can, you know, you can manscape off camera if you're interested in continuing that. Journey. I'm gonna manscape on your bed. Just gonna leave pubic hair everywhere. Of course, after the action concludes Saturday night, Luke Thomas and myself will also be in this this booth here, this this the bomb shelter for a post-game show. Uh, it's been a fun week, 281 here. I feel like the fights are gonna deliver. We're gonna, we're gonna make MSG moments on Saturday. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a great one. Mm. Um, special thanks to our great staff that they've been wonderful this week. Gaffney Jim, Long Island Luke, um, Mikey Morms, you know, Tristan on the camera. Plotting our murders. Yeah, big fan of Big Lou, the, the, either re-rack or that guy. You know, <laughs> if things aren't in the right space, he'll just, you know, he'll just, he'll just move it around, right? Cochino. Yeah, there he is. Uh, Luke, your family's going to visit this bomb shelter. Yeah, my wife and kid are on their way as we speak. I got a, I got a look. Tuki's on the train, bro. You want to see? Tuki took the train. She loves El Tren. Mira, 
Oh, that's just that's just amazing. Yeah, the, Tuki's on the train, bro. Yeah, Tuki's on the train. There she that. is. It's Tuki time. Huh? She uh, loves the train. Yeah. Ay, mi chinita. Broccoli. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she likes smart food, Luke. Mi chinita. She's a big smart food chick. Yeah. All right. That's that, Luke. That's all I got. You know. Yeah, you did a good job today. I had to kind of corral you a little bit, but you, with my help, you did a good I'm job. I'm like a bucking bronco. <laughs> All balls, no breaks, right? <laughs> there you go. Uh, Luke, we, I, was, I, got a, I got an entrepreneurial idea for you. You're for so into this vape thing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what did Conor McGregor do? What did Brendan Schaub do? Develop their own sweet nectar to make a little money on the side. Should there be like themselves. a Luke Thomas vape? I got the name for you. I don't know if you like it. Ready? Here's here. our debut. You know, it's like Dana White's slapdick series. Yeah, yeah. Luke Thomas's. Statutory vape. <laughs> Nine out of ten gymnastics doctors approved. Yes, oh, yeah, no, Jesus. no, okay. that is okay. no. all right, all right, all right. That's okay, the show. That is it. That's the show. All that right, uh, email us wow. morningcombat at gmail.com while we still have a working email address. Yeah. You want to take us out? You want me to do it? Um, no, I just got a lot of love for our fans. And, you know, if we feel Great if job we fill some Great weird job. void in your life because we're always here three, four days a week, then it's MK all day, every day because we do care about you. You guys have allowed us to put a lot of hardware on the shelf. I love you guys. Thank you for being so weird. Thank you for caring this much. It's about MMA and boxing to a certain degree. But, Luke, after that, it becomes about life. It becomes about trimming, like your, our chat with, trimming your pumpkins. Our chat with Lorosenko was more about life. It was about an hour and 20 minutes, too. It went for a while, so it was pretty good. Come live with us on MK. This is about the journey and the growth and sometimes the failures of men. But on Fridays, after getting dead wrong, can we redeem ourselves? That's the story of Rose. That's the story of Lithuanian pride. That's the story of LTNBC. Rising like a phoenix. We'll crash. Corey Lytle, not the best pilot, good pitcher. We'll crash eventually. Just waiting on you. For our great staff, for the great companies that used to back us until this episode, for Luke Thomas, it's Brian Campbell reminding you, may all your ex-lovers stay loyal and stay satisfied because you're no longer with them because you're not man enough. We out.